from the Motorcycles and Misfits coming to you from the Recycle Garage in very sunny and warm Santa Cruz, California. And today yeah. was a good day because we gave away a lot of shit and helped people fix their bikes. Yes. It was a giveaway right. bonanza. It was. Nice. It was. Um, we got rid of some gear. Yes. Oh, good. And we helped fix some bikes. And I'm proud to say I helped somebody fix a Triumph. Wow. What did you do? <laughs> because Emma was busy on a Vespa. Did you kick it? Did it start? No, I'll let her tell her Vespa story because that mm. was pretty clever. Mm. Mm. Yes. You want to tell your, your fixing the Vespa story? No, I want, to, I want to hear how you fix this Triumph. Well, how about we figure a, out who's in the fucking house tonight, Liza? <laughs> we're, yeah. we're gonna get there. All right, all right. I'm just it, it was a, it I'm was a Triumph saying. Tiger 900, just very mm. much like Stumpy John's bike, the Tiger 800. Feels like mine. Stepping all over my intros, <laughs> um, and of course, nice I was so proud to help him fix it because uh, I, I did it, and not Emma, the Triumph mechanic. <laughs> what did you actually do? Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> and and if Knock had only been here, he would have had my back too. Yeah, I'm always did, the one, you know, making side comments. <laughs> did, did, was was the kill switch off? Was that yeah. it? And and Bagel would not have been paying any attention to the Triumph because there was a, ve- a broken Vespa here. Yeah, I like um, how organic and smooth that went. Yeah, I very <laughs> orgasmic. Um, no, uh, so he came in with his Tiger 900, very good looking bike. And he um, was suspicious that maybe his, um, sorry, my headphones just went out. Um, Let me get this. Okay. He was suspicious that his um, uh, front rotor was uh, warped Mm. because his his wheel, when it was turning, was making a a scraping sound. Yeah, it's okay. Right? It's it's a it's it's a good thing to be concerned about, and so his buddy was there, and they were spinning the wheel and trying to see, mm-hmm. look at it, and see if it was warped. And I just thought to myself, what is the more likely situation here, that you've somehow warped a rotor, or that your adventure bike that you recently did a hundred miles in the dirt on might have gotten some debris in the caliper mm-hmm. and that needs to be cleaned? Yeah. And what's easier to do to rule out? Right. You still have nothing to say, Emma. Um, um, no. But what was interesting to me is that um, I said, so I would pop the calipers off, and if you're not afraid of it, let's take the brake lines off too and take it on the bench and pull them <sighs> apart and clean them. But he was shy about working on his bike, and he didn't even want to take the calipers off. That's easy. So he's like, that. I'll just get some brake clean and spray inside them. I'm like, oh, No, don't do that. Yeah, I don't think you can really get to everything. He was yeah. trying. And I talked him into taking the two bolts off that hold the calipers on. <laughs> Wait, are they the axial or are they the radial brakes? Uh, like the radio, they go from the top Yeah, from or? the top down. Yeah, okay, they're okay, radial brakes. And I'm like, just at least take that off so you can visually inspect and see if everything's moving and clean. And he just took them apart, sprayed everything down, put it back on, and it stopped doing it. Yeah. But the other information, when I did drag Emma over at one point, his story changed slightly. Yes. Mm. And this is the thing. he She said... Do you feel it in your brake when you're braking? You mean in the lever? In the lever. And he, at first he said mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. Which now she's like, yeah, this is a, a warped rotor. You, you changed story. And then he's like, well, I think maybe kind of I'm not sure. He was a bit He was a bit wishy-washy. So now it's like, mm-hmm. 
we're you know yeah. you feeling it or not but um he went and test wrote it and it doesn't seem to be doing that and it's not making that tr- 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 sound anymore so i think it was just needed a clean what do you think emma yeah i think so i've always found that like your brake pads are sort of supposed to kiss the rudder a little bit it's yeah it's no not, it was know. making a sh- sound but not a pulsating one and just to comparison i took him over to my africa twin and we popped it the front wheel up and did that and it makes the same exact hissing noise right like exactly yeah Yeah, it's fine so i mean that was just a simple thing to do but i was also kind of surprised at how reluctant he was to get into it at all but to me brake calipers are one of the simplest things to do it's all mechanical with the exception of them, Emma will tell me, I'm sure. No. No? Um, it is true, but we, we're brought up on the assumption that dicking around with your brakes is inherently dangerous because you really know what you, you, you're doing before uh, yeah. you touch brakes. And it is true that most brake jobs on a bike, unless you're doing a manual override on an ABS pump or something, is very straightforward. But you really need to have your wits about you because mm-hmm. one bolt that's not torqued upright, you know, one misaligned thing, one clip that's left off, you could lose your brakes completely and basically kill yourself. Now, I, have a, I do have a question for you, Emma. Yes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this. Tell me why... Yes. Um, I've had... <laughs> Ain't nothing but a <laughs> Jesus Christ. I've had some older bikes, so I don't know if age is, is right indic- indicative here, um, that when, for whatever reason, the brakes were sticking, yes, that it heated up the fluid and it seized the brakes. Yes, it was. And then I've had other bikes, like my KTM or Modern, that it heated up the brakes and they faded away. Oh, there's a reason for that. So... Why is it that they react completely differently? Uh, It's all down to um, volumetric efficiency or lack thereof. Oh, you just sounded really smart. (laughs) Um, It's very, very simple. The older bikes Mm -hmm. have far more fluid to heat up. Oh, And the componentries themselves are bigger. So the brakes heat up. And the same things are affecting them. The rotor is heating up. The pads are heating up. Everything is swelling and gripping on itself. But the difference, the amount of fluid you have behind those pads in an old bike is quite a lot. Whereas in your KTM, it's very, very little. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't take much to boil it off. Usually happens on modern bikes in the rear brake where you have so little fluid to begin with. You have a tiny master cylinder, a tiny reservoir, and a tiny caliper. Ducatis are absolutely notorious for it. Yep, and there's less airflow back hmm. there, too. Yeah, so it's it's just it's bigger components. Bigger components, more fluid, same amount of heat. Right. Well, uh, yeah, that was pretty interesting. And then you helped somebody. You want to say how you helped? The woman on the Vespa. And this is one of the best ones. When somebody comes in with a non-running vehicle that they ride out, that's always a good one. Well, they know I like it. Push them in, ride them out. Right, Bagel? Yes, indeed. Um, People pay good money for that on crazy right. personal services. Um, so this young lady, she she was here last week, and we, we performed a fairly simple service on her Vespa, and it, it left. It was running very, very well. 
And the very next day, she was turning into a parking lot mm. and she lost her balance and just fell over on it. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I know. It's oh, no, but... It's such a pretty little bike, too. Not now! Oh, no. <laughs> um, is it bad? No. Okay. But it's nice and crunchy on the one side. Oh, <laughs> maybe. However, um, it wouldn't start afterwards. Hmm. Oh, and interesting. Did, and it, did it fall on the right side? No, it fell on the left side. Tilt switch? Um, no. Mm. None of those things. So mm. when the bike fell over, her knee caught the ignition key. Oh, and it, oh. And it popped the fob off it. And so she oh. put the fob in her pocket and off she went. And that bike's got a smart key. It certainly got a halo around the ignition switch. Mm. By the fob, you mean like the head of the key, the blue part? Yes. Oh, yeah. That'd be a problem. And so she didn't have the blue part with her key. So Oops. knowing this, we got out the old super glue and reunited her blue fob with her metal key part. And it felt so good. And Did the you... bike started straight away because now... I hate chip keys, man. It's such a pain in the ass. Well, you'd be surprised mm. how many bikes have chip keys. I, I know. Think, I think sucks. your Kawasaki's got one. No, it doesn't. I've used it. It's a, I've been lucky enough to not have a chip key. Oh, you've got... Because yeah. a lot of stuff made after, I, like... I know. Early 2000s got chip keys. We've uh -huh. been joined by somebody new. Oh, yeah. Hold on. I, I was about to do the intro. I mean, you cut me off. Yeah. Um. Hey, Chris, are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? I am. Thank you for joining us. Um. Hi, Chris. So this Hello. is. Hello. I'm, I'm. I'm. I'm proud to introduce Chris Hopper, who's joining us, because last week, well, I think it was last week, the week before, I said. Hey guys, did you hear about this dude that just did this like crazy ride? Right. A hundred thousand miles in a yes. hundred days. And Emma, your response was Well, and I mean the, the and I know you've got a lot of flack for this, Chris, and I promise you I haven't got a mean bone in my body. But I sat down and did the math and I'm not saying it couldn't be done, but I'm like, dear God, that is an achievement. No, that is not what you said. I said it's very <laughs> You said it's not possible. <laughs> you said it's not possible. And here's okay. why. I'm, you can say it. I'm not throwing you under the bus, Emma, because <clears throat> I was following all of the reactions when the news came out that this guy had done this ride. And to me, it was amazing how many people had the same reaction. Well, it's not possible. I certainly couldn't ride even the most comfortable bike. And I'm just talking from my personal thing because... I can't speak for other people, but to ride to average 70 miles an hour for 13 hours a day, I couldn't physically do that for any more than a couple of days. And to do it for three months, it's it's amazing. That's some real biker shit. That, that is biker. serious <laughs> biker yeah. shit right there. And, and I will admit that I too said I don't I don't know how that's possible. You have to be like superhuman. I want to know more. I, I'm curious about this. I want I want to talk to this guy. I want to hear how, because especially as I've been digging in a little bit deeper. So, Chris, first of all, you didn't just up out of the blue decide you're just going to ride 
a long distance. You've been doing long distance for a long time, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely have the resume to to attempt this. I mean, yeah, it's not something you just wake so, up out of the blue after riding, you know, yeah, five thousand miles in a year and say, "Hey, I'm just going to step it up." Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're part of the long distance riding groups that I'm in in Facebook. So, your name has been out there. You've been doing the Iron Butt uh, rallies, stuff like that. So, anyone who does long distance riding knows who you are, and you're oh, not just correct. somebody who just appeared and made a claim. Right. Um, but you guys, the story just gets like better and better. I, I know we all have questions how you did it, but I'm just going to say like, Emma, if you were to attempt to do, let's just say right, one iron butt, a thousand miles, what time of day might you set out on this trip? Well, I mean, an iron butt is 24 hours. Yeah. Right? So what would be? Doesn't matter. Uh, let me ask you this. What would be the worst time to start out? I Personally, I think the best time to start out would be at probably 11 p.m. That'd be the best time because you're getting the worst part of the trip over when you're at your strongest. Hey, Chris, what time did you start your trip? Absolutely. Uh, 5.30. P- 5.25 to be exact. P.m. Yes. P.m. PM yes. So, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. In- Not to me. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're you're making the heart like the hardest the first yeah the the first night is the hardest. Whenever yeah, I've done mine the, I started like 3 in the morning but so that's at least when you he's had some his, sleep. No, but that's when he's at his strongest. Because I'm sure that you slept quite well before you planned this. Well, I I think uh, not to cut you off Chris, I think the point here is for anyone listening to this Forget what you think you know about long distance riding. Forget how you think you might do it. Forget what is the right way to do it because Chris did it. And that's why I want to know from him, the master, how you did it, all the tricks, all the things, because we can't, you you can't apply logic to this. And I want to add, before we go any further, you know, the the shit talking and naysaying has stopped because Harley Davidson have actually verified your record, haven't they? So so there's no question that Chris didn't do it. That's off the table Mm -hmm. now. So share, share your secrets, champ. Well, there, there, there's really not any secrets. Uh, like I said earlier, I am an experienced long-distance rider. I've got close to 100 actual certified rides, um, platinum level with a uh, mile eater, if you're familiar with that, the different levels of the iron, iron butt. You know, mm-hmm. as you get more, you, you move up in levels. Uh, I've got enough now to where once all the rides that I have are certified, I'll actually be diamond. There's only a handful <laughs> of people that are diamond. I don't know what the number is. Uh, it's less than 20, I think, less than 20 people that are diamond level. I think I'm Yikes. still at the coal level. Wow. Bagel, what level are you at? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm at Anthracite, I think. Anthracite? Yeah, I think. Um, <laughs> Knock, what are you at? Grass? Uh, not even that, dude. <laughs> yeah. Like talcum powder? Is that a thing? Right. Not, not anymore. Um, so, Chris, so you've been doing long distance riding. How long did it take to plan this? Because Bagel is somebody who likes to do long distance on his scooter, and he plans the bejeezies out of it so how much planning did you do yeah see i'm just the opposite i i, I don't plan it um if anyone wow. that knows me knows I, I i don't plan at all i'm one of those guys i'll, I'll wing it from from the get-go I, I don't plan anything whatsoever so on this particular ride i had the first two days kind of planned out just on some places i wanted to go and get out of the way really quick uh and after that it was i didn't have a single plan uh whatsoever damn well, uh, I never plan to stop a hotel or, or anything. <laughs> I, I wing it from, wow. from the get-go. Bagel, doesn't that just scare you? 
That blows my mind. <laughs> Bagel has all of his restaurant meals planned out and pre-ordered. Like he goes right into it. So, Chris, let's start with some of the basics. What bike did you choose to ride for this? I had a 21 Road Glide Limited. Um, I had had a 20 Road Glide Limited prior to that. So, I mean, I, I was comfortable with the bike. I knew that's what I wanted to right. do it on. I bought a new one specifically for this ride. And, awesome. Wow. Um, Looking at you, you look like a pretty hardcore Harley guy. So I'm <laughs> guessing that whatever a hardcore Harley, Harley guy looks like, but I'm guessing all your records up to this point have been set on Harleys. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I am a Harley guy through and through. I mean, it, there's plenty of other great bikes out there, but I, I do like Harley. Right. And, and you, you know, is, the thing I always try and uh, instill on people, stick with the stuff you know. If you yeah. know it and you like it, it's a great bike. Yeah. All right. So how long had you decided to do this? Because, um, I mean, you did at least, I assume, had to take off work and be prepared. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I initially had this ride planned out for last year. Okay. Uh, I, I meant to take off last year. The the Hokahe, I don't know if you're familiar mm -hmm. with that. Okay. So the Hokahe got pushed. It's usually in, you know, June, July. got pushed back to August. So when that happened, I knew there was no way I could take off uh, in August. That, that was going to put me way deep into the end of the year and cold weather and all that. So uh, I had said, okay, instead of last year, I said, as soon as the, the IBR, the Iron Butt Rally, uh, I was elected to ride in that this year. So I said, as soon as that is over, uh, I'm, I'm hitting the streets. I'm taking off. Mm -hmm. So as soon as the Iron Butt Rally was done, I rested up for a week or so and then uh, took off. And the other thing I find fascinating about your story, so the previous record was, I believe, 45,000 miles in 45 days. Yes, so that you, So you didn't think, oh, I'm going to go for 46. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Leap right over that to 100,000, yeah. which, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say, did you really believe it was possible when you started off? Actually, absolutely. I had There was no question in my mind that I was going to finish it. Um, it just... You know, it, it's it's a mental game. It's a mental ride. Like mm -hmm. I said, I, I I've got the resume for someone to attempt it. Yeah. Um. So at, at that point, you know, it, it, it's just a mental game, and I know where I'm at mentally, and and how to prepare, and 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 how to, I don't want to say trick myself, but uh, you know, s set my little goals that I need to to get to the next level. Right. So th there was really no question. Uh, as far as my ability uh, of being able to finish, you know, aside from mechanical or crash or anything like that, mm -hmm. uh, the, the the mental aspect, I was 100% confident the, the, I, I could do it. There's so much I want to talk to you about. So take us through. Let's start with the fact that you're doing 1,000-mile days. So what does a 1,000-mile day look like? Take us from the time and the moment you swing your leg on your bike through what a thousand mile day look, looks like. Well, as far as that, a thousand miles to me is like I've done enough of them. So those it's not even really a thought. It's, it's, it's a normal ride. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's to me, it's to just get on, go for a ride. And, and I know that anywhere between 15 to, to 20 hours later, I'll, I'll be done. Mm. Right. So, um, it, what, so what do you do about eating? What do you do about fueling the bike? Because, I mean, you're in company now. Nobody really in this room, aside from Bagel, is uh, a marathon rider. Uh, well, I've got two iron butts. So you're an iron butt 
but your iron button. Like let's that? talk about eating. <laughs> let's talk about going to the toilet. Let's talk about fueling your bike. All this is eating into your bottom line of time. So sure, how so, does that look like? Okay, so if you just get on and and ride, just ride, no stops. If right. you keep, you know, if you just figure just a normal three to five minute gas stop, okay, just forget about all the other stuff, eating and all that, okay. Yeah, just riding, you'll do the ride. Now, if you're especially if you're on highways, but even on secondary roads. You could easily do that ride in 14 to 15 hours. Okay. So that gives you nine hours to, to play with in, in you know, the span of the 24-hour well, period. Hang on a minute. You've got to sleep, Chris. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. That's um, what I'm saying. So, so in this particular scenario, you, you've got nine hours. So it's how much are you going to eat into that uh, is basically what you're taking away from your sleeping. Okay. Now, I, I've always been uh, one of those guys who can sleep, you know, four or five hours a night. I mean, that's like normal for me. I, okay. I, I don't sleep eight or nine hours. So it's it wasn't really a, a stretch, you know, out, out of the ordinary for me to start with. Obviously, I was a little bit more tired than just, your, you know, every day. Uh, but I, I've, I'm always one of those guys who just doesn't need a whole ton of sleep. Okay. That's like a superpower um, in itself, being able to get four to five hours of sleep and, and still I, be functional as a human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think perhaps if if we're looking for a magic bullet or a key, aside from the fact that you're obviously a very, very skilled rider and a very skilled individual, that's like the magic key to this, is that you can get by with so little sleep. If somebody was a solid eight-hour sleeper, you the sums simply it. aren't going to add up for this, yeah, unless you you're could, doing you, it on a ZX14 and no, averaging like a hundred. You, you, you could still do it. Uh, you just have to make adjustments as far as you know on, on your ride. You're not going to be able to to mm-hmm. stop a whole lot. You're going to have to be a whole lot more efficient on right. your fuel stops. Um, you're not going to be able to go in and sit down and have a you know hour meal or hour and a half meal. Um, you know, you're going to have to, to bring food with you, eat on the bike, uh, you know, kind of, kind of make some adjustments to give you that extra sleep time that you need. So I got a quick question for you. So I'm assuming that you had to train like Rocky to do this. (laughs) No, 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 no training. (laughs) How many sides of beef did you punch? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What what was your training regimen? Yeah, there, there, there was nothing out of the ordinary. It's, it was literally just okay. okay it's time to go. Let's so, wake up and you know jump on the bike and go. So, pack up oh, and, and go. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. At, at, uh, at what point in the ride did you go? All right, I'm doing it. Holy shit, it's happening right now. Point of no return. Let's go. Like, is that like halfway through the ride uh, when it was finished, or the moment you got up, you're like, I got this. Let's let's let's. let's move yeah. On. No. Right from the beginning. Like, okay. You know, we're we're, we're doing this. So I, nice. I actually. Uh, I, I told, I told, uh, there was only a couple of people who knew it was going on beforehand. Cause I didn't want to make a big announcement until I got, Smart. uh, you know, eight to 10,000 miles into it. Yeah. Um, I really wanted more. My buddies talking, I, I wanted to go like 15,000. Yeah. No, Cause I've done 10,000 several times in Hoka Hay, IBR and whatnot. So I said, let me just get past that. Let me get to 15,000 before we make an announcement. Sure. They, they didn't want me to get that far. They wanted me to do it a lot sooner. So we can't kind of compromise around that seven, 8,000 marks. So yeah. 
you know, which is probably good because if we would have got to 13 or 14, I could have easily said, you know what, you know, let me just, let me back off and, you know, not tell anyone. Yeah. Was this not finish it? But at that point, you know, once we announced it, I was committed, you know. Gotcha. So was it mostly an uneventful ride? No mechanicals, not running into critters or nothing like that. It was pretty smooth sailing for the most part or for the most part, I got, I picked up two nails. So I had two flat tires uh, in, in my rear, but other than that, luckily I just, I mean, grace of God, both of those were dead center, easy to find, yeah, plugged easy. I mean, just you, you couldn't ask for for anything better. So, um, let me talk about maintaining that bike because I know for a fact that even the finest Harley on the road is not going to perform a hundred thousand miles without maintenance. And I also know that most motorcycle shops. I own a motorcycle shop, so I know that bike shops are slammed right now. What did you do about getting oil changes? What did you do about changing tires? Did you just show up at a Harley Davidson shop and say, "Hey, I need this done now"? No, we so we had all this prearranged. So I had ordered ten sets of tires mm. prior to that, like months <laughs> before, because I knew they were in. Uh, you know, the supply chain was 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 limited and all that. So way yeah. before I I told my dealer, "Hey, order order ten sets." Uh, I run American Elites, uh, so they they ordered those. Uh, they actually got five in right away, and then throughout the weeks, the, the the remainder of them came in. I wound up only using seven sets, but mm-hmm. uh, I had that. Um, as far as maintenance, so as soon as I bought the new bike, uh, I drove it up to Dallas to where the guy is that that does the shocks. Uh, so I had all brand new shocks put on Olin shocks, um, suspended by Smarty is his is his name. Um, he 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 does it out of his shop. So I put all new shocks on and then came back home. And that was basically my thousand mile break in. Make sure you get all the plugs in because <laughs> they're all deserved. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, um, and something else I wanted to say that was amazing about this. You would think if you're just out there trying to do miles, that it's about just hitting the big open road and just putting miles on. You went sightseeing. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is so even that, more that, amazing. Yeah, that, that, that was the b- biggest thing uh, that I'd said is if I'm going to do something, take the time and the effort to, to do something like this, I, I want to make it fun for me. You know, it's mm. not just I'm not just going to sit on uh, an interstate and go up and down the interstate just to, to claim the miles. Uh, right. I- anybody could do that. Uh, so I was going to make this fun. I was going to make it about me. And I said from the beginning and, and all the way through the ride up to the end, a lot of my friends were getting on me about stopping so much and spending too much time and i was behind i was behind pretty much the whole ride i mean i Mm. i I was always behind the gun uh but i said i you know i would rather miss it and and come up four or five thousand miles short and still see everything that i saw uh and to me that would be success so and let's cover this because i'm looking at this map of your route which by the way, when people say how do you how do you confirm that he did this, you had not one but two trackers on your bike, and you had people following you throughout, right? Two trackers, people were following, and and every yeah. single gas stop, I took a receipt or I took a picture of the receipt yeah. beside my odometer. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, there was th- I missed three out of the whole ride, out of the whole you know three and a half months, uh, hundred thousand miles. There was three receipts that I didn't get, which was you know gas stations in the middle of the night that were closed. Right. So um. Yeah. I, as a long distance rider, you've probably been to a lot of places, but it looks like, let's see, how was Niagara Falls? Did you go that there? That was good. The first time I've ever been there. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. Uh, nice. Let's see. Uh, Bonneville Salt Flats. Very cool. Yeah, not what I expected, but yeah, it, it was cool. 
Oh, it looks like you went almost down in a Baja, uh, almost uh, like San Diego Baja. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we hit that corner down there. Let's see. Oh, up New York. Oh, did you go down to Miami? Um, or, or no. nearby? It looks like you went down into Florida, maybe Boca or something like that. <clears throat> went down. I was actually headed down. Um, I, I was going to do my best to avoid Key West just because I hate that ride. Uh, and I hate riding <laughs> yeah, in Florida, period. That's like one of my worst states. <laughs> um, but yeah. I was actually mm-hmm. heading south. And I don't remember where. I, I think I was going to go to Key Largo, which is as far as I wanted to go and eat lunch or whatever and turn around. Then actually, uh, one of my friends there called me and said, hey, let's meet here instead. So I literally just turned around and went back to meet up with them. Yeah. Let's see. How, how uh, many miles do you get on a fill-up? Oh, yeah. So I run an auxiliary tank. I don't know if you saw pictures of my bike. Uh, The the back seat is a five-gallon ox tank uh, with the the six-gallon stock tank. So I'm running 11 gallons, which would get me roughly 400 miles. Okay. Uh, I can go 450 if I really kind of, you know, if I don't get on it and I'm not running, you know, 85, 90 miles an hour or whatever. Gotcha. Uh, but it was typically that 350 to 400 number where I was always stopping. That was kind of the the sweet spot that I looked for. Gotcha. You know, that's something I remember about a lot of my like long distance riding or cross country trips. When you're just in that groove and your bike can do like three, 350, which seems like a long distance. But I just remember like, oh, I got to stop again. It becomes like yeah. annoying. Yeah. And it's like, it does. I, like you just get so set in the bike and you could just keep going. I feel this yeah. is a good time for you to develop some kind of mid-air refueling system kind of a thing. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> like a truck pull up beside you and, you know, have like a spigot or some little pivot, you know. So, yeah. um, Chris, how much time did you allot for each each meal? So you just talked about lunch. How long would you you dwell over lunch? I mean, was it shovel it into your face, get out of there in 20 minutes? or? It, it kind of depended on where I was at in the ride, how far behind I was. But I, I knew going out, obviously, so if we're just doing just a normal iron butt or anything like that, uh, sometimes I'll just say, hey, you know what? I've, I know I can do this ride in 14, 15 hours. I've got eight, nine hours to kill. You know, if it's just a, a quick saddle sore, a thousand miles, then yeah, I'll stop and eat, kill an hour, hour and a half, maybe mm. even, you know, stop and stop at a bar, grab a beer, just, you know, because I know I've got plenty of time. I can do it, right. no problem. So on this ride, knowing that obviously it's going to be, you know, a hundred days instead of just one, uh, I just kind of mixed it up. So there were some days to where I, I, I stopped for an hour at lunch. I'd stop for an hour for dinner. Uh, there were some days where I was just kind of running behind me, you know, I just got to grab a sandwich and eat it on the bike. And I just, you know, I just don't have that, those right. hours to kill. Fill up the bike, grab a sandwich, gas yeah, station just kinda, sandwiches. I, it just kind of, de- depending on where I'm at or what I had planned for that day or the following day, if I knew I had a bunch of stops, then I so, knew I wasn't going to have a lot of time to eat. So I have a question for you. I want to know what was harder for you day 99 on the bike or Dealing with all the idiots on social media afterwards. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely the idiots <laughs> on social media. Yeah, well, yeah it, 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 it was it was crazy. That, that was more entertainment for me, especially when during the ride. Because you were um, hopping in there and politely correcting people or offering information. Like you handled it well. well he knew he from, did from it. like a PR standpoint. You right. handled it well, but I couldn't believe how accusatory people were. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's a lot of that. And, and just, 
kind of known from, you know, the the people that were important to me, obviously my friends, family, yeah. and the people in the long distance community, everyone in the long distance community, like you had said earlier, I, I'm not new. I've been around a long time. So, so a lot of people know who I am um, and, and knew it wasn't a stretch for me to try something like that. Uh, so the, the people that were important and who actually knew about long distance riding, those are the, you know, they, they, they knew it was real. So it, it the, a lot of people who were saying that it wasn't or whatever people that, that just really don't ride, you know, they, they're little, they're, they consider riding, uh, 50 miles a day going to the bar and then they go home, you know, they do 3000 miles a year. They just don't, right. they can't grasp what long distance riding is. Yeah. Well, no. I, I, first of all, I just want to give you mad props for how you handled yeah, all that. You did great. And as a member of the motorcycle community, I want to say on behalf of all the assholes, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> No, nah, you, you expect that. And I expected that from the beginning. So, right. so Chris, a couple of questions. So uh, two things. So this is an expensive endeavor. I mean, new bike, uh, you know, all the all the road expenses, gas expenses. How did you handle that? Do you have sponsors or were you just coming out of pocket? And second, no, no sponsors. Yeah, I, I, I paid for everything. You paid for everything. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, my, my dealer helped me out a little bit with some tires um and, and maintenance so when i bought the bike i have a, a maintenance plan for right. your maintenance plan so i wasn't having to pay for each maintenance either gotcha yeah it was an expensive endeavor but it was like i said it was for charity so i wanted you know 100 percent of of this to go to the charity so and that brings uh, up i was going to ask you to talk about that because you were writing for a purpose and you're raising a hundred thousand dollars i think yes that's your goal what are you that's at right goal. now uh, we're at like 96, so 95, 96. Oh, so, so you're going to make it. So, oh yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll absolutely make I it. I want to make sure you get a plug to say what you're raising the money for, because this is something I'm not that familiar with and how somebody might, uh, help out with yeah, this. Yeah. So I was riding for, uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Mm. Uh, it's kind of a, a specialized thing that, that basically affects young boys, mm. takes away their ability to walk and, and, and kind of function. Uh, they don't have a, a long life expectancy. Uh, like I said, it pretty much just targets the young males. Um, so that's what I was riding for. Um, we, we actually have a, a couple of guys specifically. It wasn't just, Hey, we're just going to collect this money and just give it to some big company for research or whatever. We were hand delivering a lot of the money to specific individuals who, who need something. Right. Um, and you want to give that plug? I believe it's on change.org. Uh, the, the charity the is modern. Yeah, the charity is Mile Monsters, Inc. Mile uh, Monsters, Inc. Because, you know, we've got one or two audience members, and I think they might want to contribute to this. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. MileMonstersInc.com the- or the Mile Monsters, Inc. Facebook page. Uh, there's a couple of different ways you can go on and, and, and check it out and, and donate. Absolutely. Okay. 100% of the money goes directly to uh, the, the charity. Uh, the charity's run by, uh, you know, another long-distance rider, uh, right. His name is riot. That's what we call him. Hmm. Um, he's the one who, who started this charity. Uh, we rode together in the 2018 Hoka Hay. Uh, and that's where I first learned about, uh, th- you know, this disease, uh, was that. So kind of over the couple of years, we've become friends, become close. And when I came up with this, I called him and said, Hey, I, you know, I think I can come up with a hundred thousand dollars to your charity. Are you interested? He came down to Houston. We went and had breakfast, and I said, "This is what I want to do." His jaw hit the floor, but he said, "Let's go." So, right. two more questions. So, the junior high, junior high, 
or in me wants to know how you dealt with uh, bodily fluids and those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. So, and do you have a preferred diaper or something that you're using there? Yeah. And yeah. second, yeah. I would love to know, like, was there a point in the ride where you hit the wall? It's like, I'm really kind of, you know, hitting it right now and how you push through that. Yeah. Okay. So as far as restroom, it, when I'd stop for gas, uh, you know, if, if I needed to, I would go in, mm-hmm. uh, just, you know, just, just like anyone else. Sure. Um, you know, as you become an experienced long distance rider, you know, you, you don't spend 15, 20 minutes at each stop. It's fill up your tank, go in, go to the bathroom, grab a snack if you want, and then get back on the bike and go. So yeah. no Facebook uh, in that situation. Huh? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, try to keep it, you know, between that three and five minute mark. Yeah. Um, it's pretty easy. Obviously, throughout the day, there's going to be some that I'm like, you know, hey, let me just take a quick break, walk around, whatever. But that's not every single one. It's once or twice a day, and that's it. Mm. Um, and you just have to understand that however much time you're messing around throughout the day is what you're taking away from your sleep time. Mm. Um, so you, you, it's just how you manage that sure. uh, over that course of time. And, and, and did you to, hit the wall? Your, hmm? some, yeah, go ahead. No, to, to, to answer your other question as far as um, – uh, actually, what, what, what the wall. was there the some wall. point yeah, where yeah. it's like, no, I, I did hit the wall. Um, there was, I think my lowest day was like 600 miles. Mm. Uh, and it, and I remember that day I was just like every hundred miles I stopped, just get gas, just, you know, get off the bike. And I was just dragging. I just, I did not want to ride. Mm-hmm. It wasn't fun. I, you know, I wasn't enjoying it. Like I said, I couldn't make it more than a hundred miles without stopping for, for whatever reason. Mm. And I finally just called. It's like, you know what? I just, I, I'm there. I know I'm at that wall. So I just, I got to stop. I got to get off this bike. I got to get a really good night's sleep, just rest up and just start over and just know that. Uh, and it happened early. I don't remember what day it was, but I want to say it was around day 50, 55, something like that. Right so, middle, yeah. you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, I've still got, you know, 40 days to make up 400 miles that, you know, that that's, that's not that big a deal, mm. you know, just ride an extra hundred miles for four days, you know, or extra 50 miles for eight days, you know, whatever it is. I said, I, I, I can make that up. So I wasn't too concerned about it. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely just had to stop and just, get off the bike for a while. So let's get into some other stuff as a long distance rider. I'm curious what your seat setup or any other comfort you've added to the bike that uh, people might be able to benefit from, from your knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Most people aren't going to like it, but uh, everything (laughs) was 100% stock. Like I said, I I added, I added, uh, you know, the, the Olin shocks front and rear, but other than that, I rode a stock seat with a wild ass seat cushion. Right. Mm. Ah, there it is. Wild ass seat cushion. Yeah, wild ass seat cushion. Um, yeah. yeah, but no, is that, is that an air cushion? Air cushion, yes. Yeah. But yeah. Harleys nice. tend to have larger, more comfortable seats. I mean, I agree with you that when they roll off the line, generally Harleys have terrible suspension, like every other bike. Right. You know, and it's the easiest thing to get huge benefit from. Virtually every production bike that you can buy in America can benefit from upgrading the sharks absolutely um did you get sick at all because you're eating gas station food you're working on very little sleep you're pushing your body and you know we're all adults in here you ain't 21 anymore so right um how was how was your health during the trip I, I had no issues uh, at all, and it, and it wasn't all gas station food. I mean, like I said, that, there was – in the beginning, I stopped pretty much every day for lunch and dinner. 
Great. Uh, just take an hour, you know, for lunch, maybe, you know, 45 minutes, whatever it is, just right. go in someplace, eat a decent meal. Uh, and then obviously, you know, if I got behind too far, then I knew I would have to cut that out and maybe just stop once for a decent meal, maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes. Uh, but I always tried to eat something halfway decent, at least right. most of the time. I, I did eat a lot of junk and there was some gas station sandwiches or whatnot. But uh, for the most part, you know, I did try to try to take care of my body and, you know, and, and do it right. Well, and for anyone who's done uh, long distance riding, uh, I think they know there's two things that's hard. One, your body, your, your ass, right. your shoulders, just all you know, your body gets tired. But for me, the harder part is the mental just keeping your head busy because it's it's so hard when <coughs> to just I mean where does your head go what are you thinking what are you doing how do you entertain yourself yeah so a lot of music listen to a lot of music okay. uh I'm because I don't plan or whatever I'm always thinking okay where am I going next you know what what what's where am I going tonight where am I going tomorrow morning you know what what direction am I going what am I going to hit so I was really that was the main thing is where I'm going. I'm going to stop you right there, Chris. <laughs> this is by far going to be the most <coughs> controversial part of the show. Far more controversial than what you ride, far more controversial than what you do. What's your favorite jams? What are you listening to? Wait, are you a Skinner guy? What are you listening yeah, to? Yeah, are you a Skinner guy, a country yeah. and western guy, a Toby Keith I'm, guy? I'm probably 85% Christian yeah. music and 10% um, kind of 80s stuff and then the rest country. There you kind go. Kind of a mix of all three of those. Ooh, controversy. <laughs> yeah. So um, I noticed on your route, you went all over the country, but you did you specifically avoid the west coast because you know we're over here on the ocean in santa cruz and you did not touch highway one did you no i i had plans to the first time i was headed that way uh i was i specifically wanted to ride the northern part of california mm-hmm. uh and weather stopped me mm-hmm. so i'm like okay wait, I'll, I'll, I'll come back to like it, no too good deal. weather or wait we, we have three bad days of weather <laughs> yes, a year saying. you came then no not up there it, it was cold and rainy so <laughs> Uh, so I turned, I, I went basically back across the country, uh, to the <laughs> East coast and, and messed around. So then the second time when I went back, uh, I was in, uh, I guess what, San Diego, somewhere down there. Mm-hmm. And, and I had absolutely every intention of, you know, ride, riding up one and, and going all the way, but looking at it, uh, I mean, I look at my map and everything's just red, just solid yeah. red, like just yep. a lot of traffic wow. yeah. and just the, the, the time. And I was like, you know what? I just, I, it, it's just not worth it. it. It just won't work out Yeah, time wise. I was already running behind. So I'm like, there. it's just not worth it. So just kind of, kind of bad timing on, on my part on, on getting back out there to ride that area. So one of our, yeah. our mottos when we eat is live to ride, ride to eat. And I'm wondering if you ever said like, huh, I'm in the mood for barbecue. I think I'll go to Memphis. Like <laughs> did, oh, food, did food spur you in your travels? And what were some of these food spots you had to have? Uh, well, we're, you're on the West Coast, Pink's. I, I, made, <laughs> yeah. I, I made a trip to Pink's. You know? yeah. I, I love Pink's. Hmm. So uh, in fact, there's a ride out there uh, this weekend. <laughs> uh, a big ride. I don't know if y'all are aware of that mm-hmm. out there. No bite the weenie ride mm-hmm. um, but yeah no, i did i did make a special trip for that i made special trips to uh wings up in new york the yeah. Bar. that was a that was <laughs> nice. one that i was like hey i'm gonna Amazing. i want to go way up there just just for some wings 
Nice. So what so part of the country? I actually, uh, make some special trips to hit some. some so where's cool your favorite spots. food in the country? Oh man, that's that's a tough one. Yeah, of course. Uh, I like a little bit of everything, but uh, it's hard, hard to beat uh, some good right. Texas barbecue. That's true. Right, there you yeah. go. Bagel, you got a question? Yeah, I was wondering. Uh, in in addition to food, when when you were deciding just spur of the moment where you were going to go, uh, how much of a role did did traffic and road speed have to do with the routes that you chose and the, the des- destinations you were going to each day? Not a whole lot. Uh, again, that, that falls back on, on my planning, uh, and, and to tell you that, so I wound up in the East coast and not planned, uh, and all my friends were texting me how ignorant I was, but I wound up in <laughs> going through Queens at four thirty on a Friday afternoon. Oh, wow. So <laughs> I lost like three hours sitting oh, through all that downtown traffic oh, yeah. because Ouch. I didn't, I didn't plan for it. I wasn't even paying attention. I was just Hey, I'm going to go up through New York and ride here. And man, I look down at my clock and I'm like, oh, shoot, it's 4.30 on a Friday afternoon. And I'm in, you know, downtown New York, not mm-hmm. the place to be. Man. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it was when I wanted to go somewhere, I just headed that way. I, I didn't look at so did you traffic, hit the tel- weather, roads. It was just, hey, it's time to go. Let's and, go. And you weren't counting on like, like just trying to figure out how many miles you were going to do just to, to try to get as many miles as you could under the belt. Was that part of the decision? Uh, I mean, yes. I mean, I, you know, okay. I, I would kind of wake up and say, Hey, I, you know, I want to head towards, you know, whatever state, or I want to go hit these few stops or whatever. And I know that's going to get me six, seven, 800 miles. So, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll figure out another couple of hundred miles after that, you cool. know, see, see where I want to end up. So what do you think? Uh, the you know, m- see where I'm going to want to sleep or whatever. So, what was the mix between interstate and secondary roads, you think? I would guess interstates were probably 40%. That's it. Wow. 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 Maybe, maybe 50. Um, wow. I, I don't know exactly that. Hmm. You know, I had to do a, a 100cc, so coast to coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did that. And then there were a couple of days where, like, you know what, I need to make up some time. So let me just jump on interstate and go. Uh, then, you know, a lot of times if I was just going cross country to get somewhere, but I, I did try to stay a lot on the secondary roads, mm. um, that I did over 200 miles on dirt roads. Really? Mm. Uh, wow. What? Dude. Wow. All right. I just want to say, I and, mean, I, I'm not afraid of controversy here and I've said many things before that piss people off, but I'm just going to say like, you have set a whole new bar for real biker shit. Like, <laughs> dude, like, yeah. Like I like to tell people what real biker shit is, but you right. just kind of like blown yeah. it all away. So I, I mean, I just have so much respect for what you did. Um, is this the hardest thing you've ever done in your life? Um, I would say so. Yeah, I, I guess so. It, it, it was tough, uh, but it's one of those things. Kind of when when you're in the moment, I'm, I'm just not even thinking about it. So you know, yeah. I, I took I took a whole half day. I spent over five hours at, at, I took the ferry over to Mackinac Island. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. And I just, I walked around there and, and that Good was one you. thing that I really needed. Cause I didn't realize that man sitting on that bike for so long walking. I never got, the only right. time I walked was if I walked into a gas station uh, right. or walked into the hotel, that was it <laughs> for three months. So I really, that was very enjoyable to get out. I, I walked about four miles on the Island over there, just kind of walking That's around, fine. checking it out and, uh, but that was time well spent to get me rested and off the bike a little bit and, you know, that, that, that break. And that's where, 
kind of the, the mental aspect. You just got to know when it's time to, you know, you're thinking that five hours off the bike is going to really set you back, but it's really going to make you right. You know, you're going to do a whole lot better after that. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to be struggling. You're going to be fresh and, and rejuvenated and, and it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah for sure. It, yeah. It's, 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 it's crazy what you've done. And I'm not going to ask you what you're going to do next because you don't need to do anything <laughs> next. I think you've, I mean, you've, you've raised the bar so high. Um, but I think, I think I first really learned about you. There was a, a, a post, I think it said, how much is a 2021 uh, road glide worth with a hundred thousand miles on oh, it? Oh yeah. And I'm like, that's a really good question. Yeah. Emma, how much does that yeah. devalue a bike? Uh, you know, <laughs> I would actually suggest that this is now such a historically significant bike. You've actually added value to it. Where's the, <laughs> yeah. where's the bike right now? My garage. Is it being retired or is it going to be a daily? Um, I've got a couple of things working. I mean, I hope Harley takes it. That would be, you know, I, mm. I would love for them to take it and put it in the museum. Yeah. Well, like I say, I think it, it's it's such a historically significant event. And as a snapshot in time, I think it'd be really hard to duplicate it because you'd yeah. need somebody with your experience. You would need the road conditions to be those of post-pandemic because most of the roads are still quieter than they were pre-pandemic you would need gasoline to be at a certain price and the infrastructure and so on and so on and so on and so on you may you may have the long distance motorcycling record over a period of time forever actually no it, it, it won't last very long at all really no he has no. painted a big target on his back because now he's no. shown it's possible <laughs> and in in yeah. in, the, in his world of long distance riders i mean how many people do you know that you think they they're capable of doing it too. Oh, I know eight to 10 people yeah. right off the top of my head. Who, that doesn't necessarily who, mean they're going to. No, no, no. But given, given the time and the funding who could do the ride, no problem whatsoever. Right. I know a few of those who have the funding, they just don't quite have the time yet. But, and a few of those I know are like really close to being retired. So th there, there's, there's plenty of people who, so who do it. Now. If I, you, I expect someone to do it next year. If yeah. you Honestly. lose your title, will you come back and defend it? Well, but well, he was the course. first. There you go. <laughs> he was the first. Yeah. And that's the thing. You put yourself in the yeah. record books. Um, yep. um, yeah. I assume that this will be submitted to Guinness. No, <gasps> no. Oh. So my understanding, and, and I haven't personally verified it, but I've been told by several people Guinness will not certify anything that has to do with time and distance on a public road. That's gotcha. not true. Uh, yeah. gotcha. they, they don't want people chasing a record and having a wreck, killing somebody. Gotcha. Wh whatever. Oh, with time. Well, because um, Danielle uh, Lynn is a friend of mine, and she has the Guinness record for the longest continuous ride in one year, which is only yes. like 78,000 miles, I think she did. Yeah. Um, there is something like that that I'm, I plan on looking into. It's longest trip away from home or, or something like that. What, yeah, whatever. so they won't do it with the time to encourage people to speed. Oh, I get it. So like the yeah. cannonball stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. Right. Interesting. Well, yeah. and just curious, is that the only bike that you ride or do you have other bikes in your garage? Yeah, I have two two road glides and I have a Pan Am. Mm. Oh. So, mm. What do you yeah, think of the Pan Am? that's the one I've been riding lately. Oh, I love it. 
Yeah. yeah. Have you hit, I, I hit any it. dirt on it yet? I have not. Like, I, I, it was funny. I bought that bike like the weekend before we left for the IBR. So, and, and I didn't even have time to go pick it up. I had them deliver it to my house. I jumped on it. I rode it like 30 miles up to a bar, had a drink with some friends, and I rode home. And literally the next day, I took off uh, for Utah for the wow. IBR. So I did the IBR. I came back and literally yeah. rested up two or three days. <laughs> And took off again. That's I was crazy. gone for three and a half months. Which I, I love hmm. that too, because I mean, the, uh, iron butt is achievable for most people if they really, you know, prepare and get, right. you know. But to do a rally is for many of us is like unfathomable. And that was just your appetizer. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so, how would you feel about having a scooterist as a wingman? Sure, absolutely. Bagel. Here we go. Yeah. Well. I, I know I'm good for 2002 days. I, beyond that, I can't, I can't promise anything. Right. I know. I did the Saddle Sword 2000 last summer uh, <laughs> on a Vespa. Very, very nice. Um, yeah, how have, long did that take? Uh, it was 40, <coughs> 46 hours, 55 minutes. Yeah. To do, I think, 1,522 miles or something like that. Yeah. What's the what's top speed on that? Uh, top speed's about uh, seventy five, maybe eighty on a good day. Okay, yeah, that's a little, and, uh, little higher than what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I have yeah. a Very final nice. question for you, Chris. Thanks. I mean, it's a, it's an absolutely superb achievement, and all credit to you. Did you stay on your bike all the time, or did you have any little bumps? Did you skid off? Any any incidents on route? I had a couple, had a couple of incidents. Uh, I did not, I never laid the bike down. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the, the, probably the scariest one. And I didn't post about it or anything. Uh, but I, I was fresh. I was, I literally woke up in the morning. It was probably, I don't know, seven thirty, eight o'clock in the morning. Mm. Uh, I'd left, uh, I'd stayed with uh, a friend of mine, uh, stayed at his house in Arkansas. Uh, and I, I took off, I was in Oklahoma. Uh, just going down. It was like a Sunday morning, no traffic. Um, I, I was on a, a major highway and just, I was just zoned out, I guess, just listening to music, whatever. Uh, and I happened to catch a glimpse of my phone. Uh, my exit was, you know, uh, a tenth of a mile, point one. Uh, quick glance in my mirror, no car behind me. I start shooting over to take the exit, look up at the exit sign, see that, you know, okay, yeah, this is my exit. Uh, and then just another quick glance in my, my rear view mirror, just again, to make sure no one, you know, I wasn't cutting off a car or anything like that. Uh, and obviously going down the road, you know, it's going down a major highway. So I was cruising probably 80, maybe 85, right. sure. uh, swerved over, hit the exit, uh, and it probably slowed down to 65 or something, but I didn't realize it was one of the exits that was just a, a complete U-turn. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Circle ones. So I had to make a quick decision. I tried, you know, hitting the brakes and laying it over and making the curve. And then I got that, started getting the wobble. So I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to make it. So I need to go, go off of the, off of the edge into the grass and down the, cause it was a hill. It was a grassy hill. Oh shit. I said, okay, I'm going to go down this hill. Uh, and I probably got slowed down to maybe 50, maybe 45. Damn dude. Uh, and as soon as I hit the grass, I knew, okay, I know I'm going to lay it down. So I was trying to be, cognizant to okay i need to lay it down on the hillside so you know the bike's not upside down and i at least got a chance of picking it up gotcha uh, and i'm just going down the and it was grass it was deep grass thick uh wow. i said okay there's you know there's no way i can hit my brakes so i just got to kind of ride this out until i lay it over 
Um, and I just kept riding and I'm like, man, I haven't laid this over yet. What, what's going on? <laughs> so, well, okay, let me just see if I can make a slight turn and go back up. And I wind up being able to just kind of turn and go right back up the hill and hit the road and got right back on the road. <laughs> wow. That's so awesome. I immediately oh, parked. I jumped off my bike and I was jumping up and down like, man, I wish I would have had that on video. Oh yeah. My bike was just covered Our, in grass. That all like happened everywhere. So I, I was digging grass out from underneath. Yeah. And, you know, that all like trying that. to make sure there wasn't a big oil leak or anything oh, like geez. that. But that was probably yeah. the, the worst thing. So I imagine that like all happened within like three seconds. You're like, Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, was quick. Like- <laughs> it was, it was very quick. <laughs> Amazing. So, so I have a hypothetical question for you. So, um, I decided to do something crazy and I'm going to be hosting a little competition out here in January, um, called the numb nuts <laughs> challenge. And I'm throwing up a thousand dollar prize to see who can oh. sit on their stationary bike the longest. And I'm thinking I could do like 36 hours. I'm just curious. If you were, uh, were allowed to get off, say, every few hours for a quick toilet break, but you had to have your helmet and boots on at all times, how long do you think you could sit on your stationary bike without getting off? That's probably not something I could win because you're not moving. Yeah, exactly. just sitting there yep. would be just way <laughs> difficult. Yep. How long do you yeah. think you could do it? Me, I, I I wouldn't make it a day. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess it just depends on the motivation. Well, um, I extend an invitation if you'd like to come and try and win a thousand dollars in January. And okay. We're gonna park in a in a parking lot in front of Emma's shop, and we're gonna sit on bikes. Okay. I, yeah, I'm, I may give it and, a shot. And have just food to and drinks brought out to, to us. And I am entering only to defend my money. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's okay. Uh, I, but, yeah, you know, I'll, but I'll it kind of scares me having see. a pro like you. That well, that's one of those things, though. That's that's just completely different. You know, you're not moving, so yeah, I, yeah. I think the boredom would set in just way well, quicker. Uh, you, well, we're going to be throwing things at her, so that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there will be people around. Well, I want I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story. Um, you know, it was incomprehensible to so many people because to them it's not possible. Right. But you have just shown what is possible to do on a bike, and you did it with almost with ease and with comfort because this is what you do, long-distance riding, right. which just reminds us that there is this whole community of people who love long-distance riding. Sure. We've had Wendy Crazy Crockett people. on the show when, yeah. when uh, she won the Iron Butt, but mm-hmm. this whole nother level, and I, that's what I love tapping into these other cultures and communities and motorcycling that we don't really know is there because you guys do extreme long distance riding and right. that's real biker shit. And I just want to let you know um, that uh, the motorcycles and misfits podcast did donate a hundred dollars to your cause. Awesome. Yeah. Thank so you very much. yeah, so just, you're a hundred dollars closer I'm yeah, sure you. some of our listeners are going to step up as well. Oh, so, so. That, let, let's wonderful. push it over a hundred grand. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I, I love sharing the story. Um, I, I, you know, I enjoy talking about it and introducing people to it and yeah. letting people know. I mean, it, it's this stuff is is possible. You know, if you can think it, you can do it. You know, you, you yeah. just people are limited by their own own thinking. And just a reminder to everyone: it's MileMonstersInc.com. That's it milemonstersinc.com and you can go and donate. What a great cause. But also, I just feel like um, also for all the people who were naysayers, like I'm trying to make up for them because you took a lot of shit. So, 
you, you did a great thing and thank you for coming on our show and sharing the story and, and, and setting a bar for more people to strive for. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me. I th- thank you very much for reaching out. And oh, you are time. welcome. Yeah, no well problem done. at all. Great talking to you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you very much. And, I, and I'll yeah. send you an invite to the Numb Nuts Challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Let's give it a shot. Let's see what we can do. I figured I'd reach out like to you and to Long Haul Paul. Get some ringers <laughs> oh, no, in I don't there. Know about him. Yeah, he, 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 he can probably take it on that. <laughs> I, know, I don't know right? if I want to compete against him. <laughs> I know. I want to get some ringers in there and make it fun. And we'll bring like food and 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 uh stuff and be have yeah, some entertainment he, yeah he, w- he's crazy enough to win something like that he is right. he is <laughs> i know he, I he's know. got a screw loose for sure <laughs> <laughs> all right well thank you very nice. much and i'll uh send you a link to the show after we've done recording yeah thank, thank you, you very much coming, i appreciate man. it thanks appreciate for having me right. well See done you, thanks for coming Ciao. on take care bet. thank you so you guys, pretty cool what he's done. Uh, huh? I like stories, bro. That's that's the good story right there. Yes, you, yes, yes. I, yeah. And I especially hey, love he's still though, there, so don't say anything about him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I especially love, though. Hey, like you can I, stick around, man. That's good. <laughs> I, I especially love, like I said, how nasty people were getting and right. how polite he was. Be- yeah, but the Not defensive at all. But, but, but kindness, he bro. just kind of came back with like, okay, bro, whatever you say. Yeah, but he you know? knew he'd done it. He knew he did it. And when you have when you know you've done something like that yeah. and you are cocksure, I did this, that does afford you a little, mm-hmm. you know, it affords you a yeah, little swagger and, you know, you can, you can shut him down politely. You don't have to yell. It's not like he's trying to run a pyramid scheme, you know? No. No, he came out of pocket for the whole thing, really. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Knock, I know you got to leave in a sec. Do you have time to talk about your latest purchase? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah. Yeah. This is exciting for me. (laughs) It's it's exciting. It's hard to start moving along on this project. Uh, Yeah, I bought a swing arm for my Versys that's in pieces. What sort of swing arm? Uh, It's an actual Versys swing arm. It is uh, from a 2015. Yes. And... um, yeah, and it was like 175 bucks, and it's like in great condition. Came with a with the axle pivot at the rear, with the rear axle, and the uh, swing arm pivot. Uh, yeah, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, that nice. was it. Because you, <laughs> you you have three bikes: one with extremely high mileage. Yeah. Um, one that's just ugly, but yeah. runs great, <laughs> and then one that's horrible on the on the highway. Yeah. So you basically can't go any distance with any of your bikes. They're all fun, and you keep them well, running. Well, no, my Superhawk, uh, that's the, my long-haul bike. Yes, but, but you keep borrowing my car to do long stuff because you don't have a good hop-on and go, you know. How many miles has the Superhawk this got on it? Versus, oh, God. This Versus is a good potential bike. And remind no, no, me. hold on a second. Yeah? The thing is with the Superhawk is it's like driving a fucking car. It's awesome because like I'm only pulling like three and a half, four thousand RPMs, yeah. and I'm going eighty miles an hour. That's like my long haul bike. <laughs> yeah. The Versys, the um, the project that I'm going to work on is going to be another silly hooligan. It's the six fifty. Oh, you're building yeah. another. Okay. Yeah. But you got wasn't like a hundred bucks for most of a bike. First of all, yeah, Rich had a bike that he had stored in his shop because somebody had wrecked it, and yeah. it was like an insurance buy, and Rich bought the the carcass of it. But the thing still has a clean title. It's just in pieces. Yeah, it, so, it was like missing a front end, wasn't it's it? It's missing a front end. It's missing a swing arm yeah. and and some a tank and a lot of other bits and bobs. Engine is there. It's got oil in it, and it's got less than a thousand miles. So basically, wow. you got you got yeah. a, a an engine and a frame from a Versus. Yeah. Um, 
and for a hundred bucks with yeah. the title. Well, he wanted a hundred fifty bucks for it when I got there. And he's like, "Knock, how about I'll give you a discount if you take the entire fucking thing?" Because <laughs> I was I was there to go buy the uh the just the frame mm-hmm. or the motor, and he said, "Here, just take the whole thing." And, uh, yeah, so you yeah. got most of a bike. Yeah. So that's why I'm like, this is such a p- great potential project, but mm-hmm. you've been dragging because you bought this years ago. Because it's life happens and shit, and I I'm know. lazy. And, but that's why know. when you got a swing arm, I'm like, oh, <gasps> yeah. there's progress. Well, I just realized 175 bucks, like I could spend that much money in a month on groceries or, or like eating out. So I'm like, I should just get a swing arm so it lasts longer. Well, you know? the other thing you too is... You need, you need food this month now or what? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the Versus is a great platform to yeah. build something. I mean, there are people doing flat tracking oh, yeah. on modified Versus. Yeah, and I'm kind of, um, kind of moving towards that direction. I think too. it's a... I mean, and you already have that engine in your Ninja. Yeah. So you're familiar with it. It's a good you know, engine. Yeah. No, I, I think I've got some triple trees. Oh, uh, you know, actually, I have a ZX10 front end. Oh, very nice. Yeah, it's just old. And I just got to get it all squared away. So, so yeah. when you bolt that on and you stand back and look at it, you'll get an idea of the direction to go in the bike. Yeah, well, see, what I did was uh, there's uh, photos online of, of that versus completely naked with just a motor and the wheels on there. Right. So I took a uh, took that photo and I've just been on uh, Illustrator or Photoshop just doing little concept sketches with it. Yeah, because so. you're good with computers. The rest of us just get a fucking sharpie. Yeah, <laughs> stick yeah. the photograph <laughs> on the fridge and then sharpie in what we it's, think it should look like. It's probably going to be like that too, because ultimately, you you know, it's it's easier just to have the process be organic or whatever, right. and print it out and do scratches and doodles, do cardboard stuff, and it's it's probably. I haven't really done anything like this before, so it's going to be a fun, interesting journey. We, and I'm stoked about it. We so. actually approve cool. of CAD here, oh, and yeah. that is cardboard-aided design. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's great is, like, um, if I wanted to, I could take the swing arm and put it on my Versys and see how it would work out, because they kind of have the same kind of frame. And so I got, like, my prototype forever project bike that I'm riding now. It's got a bunch of weird doodads done to it. And uh, the idea is you take what's good in the mods that I have now and transfer it over to the new bike. So, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. You know, I was like, cool. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a fun time. Cool. Well, do you need a split or do you want to stay for the next? I'm going to take off in a little bit. Yeah. All right. I wanted to talk about something that's getting a lot of buzz. A buzz. Yes, a lot of buzz. All right. Mm. See you now. Bye, um, knock. Yeah, there's a new, a new bike that they announced that is getting quite a lot of buzz. Bagel, I'm not sure if you saw this because it's kind of in your world as is well. Is it a motorbike? Is, is it, it a scooter? No, knock, were you born in a barn? Oh, all right, all right. Oh, he's just going for a pee. Um, oh. Bagel, <laughs> have you heard of the Honda, is it Navi or Navi? N-A-V-I? I don't think oh, so. you want to look it up. So, hmm. all right. So, and it started with, I think Knock was like, are you going to get this? <laughs> I'm like, what? What is it? Well, I think so, you should. let's talk about the Honda Navi. Do you think Navi or Nom, Navi? Either or. Let's go I with think Navi. I, I think, you know, Navi, Navi, Navi is Navi. Honda Navi. Tomato, tomato. So, what the Honda Navi is, it's basically, it's a Grom-like bike. This is a small 110 cc. I'm just going to ratchet it back a little here. It's substantially smaller than a Grom. It's physically a lot smaller than a Grom. Yeah. But to all motorcyclists, 
<laughs> Grom is like a mini bike. Oh, so this I said, is it's even a Grom smaller. Light. So it is a it's a one ten. Um, well, I don't know what's the seat height on a Grom because this seat height is thirty inches. Thirty. Yeah, I think Grom's it's like Grom, thirty one. I think thirty one or thirty two. Well, this has got thirty point one inches. Yeah, but so this, it's, not, it's hmm? I mean, it is Hello? substantially smaller. It's shorter. It's um. Narrower, it's just so and dimensional. And this isn't what, and this isn't like the old CT70 or something, right? No, so what this is, it's yeah. using a scooter engine. So this is a CVT carbureted, mm-hmm. all right, not, yes. not fuel injected. Um, okay, and, but it, this styling is similar to the Grom, it's a little fun mini bike. Um, they They've made this bike affordable, it's coming in with a retail price of about $1,800. Wow. Before What's the top fees, speed? about fifty-five, I think. Yeah, that I'm going to. I'm gonna consider that because generally fifty-five is everything on a Grom, mm-hmm. and we're going to get a lot of people mm-hmm. writing in saying, "Oh, my Grom does seventy miles an hour." Your Grom might fifty-five is everything on a Grom. And so what we've got here is a smaller engine with an automatic transmission, and yes, it's a smaller bike. I think a realistic top speed is going to be 45 to 50. What's the drivetrain? So, well, what's CVT. the drivetrain from? I don't know. You tell it's, me, Bagel. Ah. It's a CVT 110cc carbureted. And well, it's I'm wondering, I'm wondering, well, I'm wondering if it's, if it's derivative of the PCX motor. Because no. the PCX 125 yeah. has, a, has a very powerful motor for its size no it is from a well first of all this bike um is from india and it is similar to oh. a, a model of scooter right. uh that we don't have here that i don't i'm trying to hmm. remember the name um it, it's so it's it's basically taken from a scooter there so a couple a couple things about this first of all hmm. um it looks pretty cool for an eighteen hundred dollar right little bike mm-hmm. um and for those who know you can see where they've cut corners you know the grom has disc brakes front and rear this has drum brakes front and rear. And mm-hmm. the grom mm-hmm. has aluminium wheels this has pressed steel wheels you know the grom okay. has fancy gold painted forks that look like olins if you squint at them with your glasses off this has <laughs> very very conventional forks so it's a con- it's obviously mm. it's built down to a budget but it comes it's some, basic. It's basic. And it comes in some jolly colors. Guess though. how big the gas tank is. How big is that gas tank, Liza? 0.9 gallons. Well, that will be... <laughs> I was going to say less than a gallon. Yeah. That will probably 9. be enough to take you at least 100 miles. 100 to 110 mile range is what they're saying yeah. per tank. You see, you've got to understand how um, Honda and other um, Japanese-based manufacturers work, even if their bikes are made elsewhere. The minimum considered range for a motorcycle is 200 miles. So if you've got a bike that does 50 to the gallon, it's going to end up with a four-gallon tank. That's about the projected mm-hmm. range. Scooters, they, they want their scooters to have a 100-mile range because it's considered yeah. a more urban bike. So that yeah. makes sense. And I know it's a stretch, but this styling reminds me a little bit. It looks like a cross between a Grom and a Motocompo. It has got Motocompo-ish ah, about right? it. Interesting. Shall we shall we call it the Moto Compost? <laughs> so um It comes in brown. 
<laughs> so, it, so it's got a lot of buzz, and and it's interesting. I mean, the Honda has wow. done well with all the small displacement bikes that they've been yes. bringing in, starting yeah. with the Brom, the Monkey, the Cub. Right, and and you know what what I see this as? I I see this as a fantastic alternative to underpowered fifty cc bikes, because especially in the scooter world. There are loads of 50cc scooters out there that, you know, are good for 25 miles an hour. And that's not good for anything other than putting around on a college campus. But with a bike that can do 55 for the same more or less price point, that's a, that's a pretty good deal, I would think. For some, especially for somebody who's just starting out, who isn't going to be going on the freeway, but wants to ride around all of the, the surface roads, uh, you know, even, you know, 55 mile an hour roads, you could take this thing on it. Um, you might, want, might not want to do it for a long time, but you could do it. it. So it seems to me like this is actually a very versatile bike that comes in at a very low price point. It also has some storage on it, not big enough to put a helmet in it like many scooters, um, but where your feet would be if it had a step through. Um, it has a storage compartment that uh, you could hmm. put like a backpack in, you know? And actually... Mm-hmm. I think they look better without it because there is. You can get some, it without, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, No, there are some without it. Hmm. And there is one, I'm looking at one in Honda Britain colors, which is red, white, and blue, without it. It's, it's, it's actually, it's a funky look. Almighty, <laughs> this thing is odd. It is hmm. very strange indeed, but kind of okay. So, one smart thing they did, one of the things they're trying to um, appeal to. You guys know for like the Grom crowd, there's like kind of like with the Ruckus, you get these whole groups of people who get into it and like stretch it, (gasps) modify it. Right out of the bat when they introduced this, they had customized um, Navis that they had given out to Mm. some bike builders to put custom exhaust and paint and stuff like that, which is pretty smart. They're thinking this will be that type of thing that people can customize them and ride in groups on. It's got a carbon fiber dash. Yeah. Woo. So wow. well, it might be, no, it might be molded plastic to look like carbon fiber, but that doesn't matter. So here's the, the whammy though. When I did a mm-hmm. little digging, I found something out about the bike that other people hadn't really talked about yet. Uh-oh. This is not a new bike. Really? Uh, no, I'm looking at an article right here um, from 2018. The Honda Navi discontinued in India due to poor sales. It seems it was introduced in mm. about 2016 in India. Made in mm. India for the Indian market. And it mm. failed and was discontinued. Which I find really? it very interesting that then... Well, let's go try the American market. That's two completely well, different markets. What's the reason, though? Is it is it because of the price? So I also did a lot of research on forums and stuff like that. There was a, a few reasons. One, <clears throat> the price. What sounds mm-hmm. like just a toy to us. I mean, eighteen hundred right. is nothing, right? Um, it's a premium. They're in. They're used to paying a premium for a Honda over there versus like a Bajaj or something like that because they yeah. know that they're going to get a quality machine. But the price that this is at, there are other machines that do a lot more that hmm. for the same price. So it's competing with other manufacturers that provide a bigger engine, bigger bike, all that, right? Yeah. Second of all, 
A lot of people had hard starting <sighs> issues because it's not fuel injected. They don't know how to work the choke. Oh, oh no. You know, on a bike with a choke, you have to really understand like <clears throat> the weather and how that's all affecting and get it dialed in just right. I had to teach someone who was renting my um, right. KLR last weekend. He's never ridden a, a motorcycle with a choke on it. So I'm I'm looking... And, and, and he did kill the battery trying to start it one day. Right. <laughs> so I'm looking at this back shot of the Navi, and mm-hmm. it looks like it's got a left-hand thumb choke, which is pretty mm-hmm. conventional. And I think that is kind of indicative of its kind of basic manufacturing cost. Because, Bagel, how many scooters these days have thermocouplings for their chokes? Basically, automatic uh, chokes. I don't know of any scooters that do. Well, no, but carburetted scooters never had chokes. They all had thermocouplings that the choke worked well, automatically. Like automatic. Yes. Oh, oh, well, they're automatic ones. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, but but they don't even have those anymore. I don't right. Think, and I mean, they? but yeah, I mean, yeah. basically every carburetted Vespa made since two thousand or probably the late nineties had no choke. It had an automatic choke. Yeah. Know, certainly all the Japanese ones. Right. The Yamaha C3, what a machine that was. I remember how overwhelmed you... Oh, no, you said you were underwhelmed by it. Um, <laughs> so another reason that came up was styling. Hmm. It is a bizarre-looking It's very bike, especially for India, where they still have retro-looking <coughs> bikes like Royal Enfields and stuff, right? This looks like it's weird. Like, it is quite strange. Looks like a like a kid's looking. little push toy almost. Right? Like a plastic toy. I never thought I would see a bike that made a Honda monkey look aggressive. <laughs> and this does. <laughs> it's it's a very it's a strange looking thing. Um I don't dislike it, but it's certainly it's it it's odd. Judge for yourselves. So my question is, would you buy this or something like the Benelli 125? Oh, Although God, it's, it's more expensive. Benelli's a 135. Oh, a 135, sorry. It's $1,000 more, but... Well, I can answer that because, I mean, I've kind of been loosely shopping around for something like that, like a used Grom right. or a, a Benelli 135, which are going to be a lot more sporty and fun. But I want to have a small bike with small wheels to throw dirt tires on and go do stupid stuff in the dirt right that's what i want um and i think that this might be a good candidate um you're gonna and buy i one? think it might have a better resale value than a tnt 135 because people don't know what those are they don't know True. what the benelli is we don't know how well it's gonna last this is a honda this, i think the, right? Yeah. right i think the value in this bike will be because it is strange make it stranger paint it a really odd color (laughs) or get it wrapped with like baked beans (laughs) you know get jocelyn or something to take a photograph of a pan full of baked beans and get it wrapped in baked beans color or something or cardboard so i have like a cardboard colored paint job it's perfect bike for that. It it is. I was already thinking. Or the it would be American fun to get it flag. What could be more patriotic than the stars and stripes? 
Uh, I was thinking of just getting like cash dollar bills all over it. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested. My only question is the power. Now, one thing I did love about, like I have the 250 scooter right now, which right. is a good amount of power for the streets terrifying amount of power it, i mean it can <laughs> jump uh, clear of any cars from any intersection pretty swiftly and it's it good has for a, 70 miles an hour um and the 150 i felt that way too when i had the 150 elite yeah it's not going to be that kind of power and i'm kind of concerned because that was one of the other criticisms that it had dull power right mm. this little 110 cc that it just didn't have that now which it's hard for me to imagine because those 150s were sprite. They were fun. Well, is no, it possible I, they've, I, that 110 is just just enough below the bar to make it out fun? Or does the CBT take up too much? No, just hang on now yeah. because that Elite 150 was actually a flagship bike for Honda. They incorporated a great deal of technology that was cutting edge for the time in that bike. It had a pop-up headlight. Mm-hmm. Again, it had the thermocoupling for the choke. It had a lot of very clever stuff built into it because it was a flagship and they were quite expensive. I remember selling those Elite 150s and they were motorbike money. Hmm. You know, they, it wasn't oh, a yeah. cheap alternative. It was like 250 motorbike money back in the day. This is yeah. not that bike. You know, this is far from it. This is very much built down to a budget. I think you are going to find it a little anemic in Power Laser. I think yeah. they're going to have a hard time selling it, honestly. Well, because there's then, no, there's no. It's not like the Grom or the or the Monkey Bike where there was all this like nostalgia. This is not a nostalgia bike. But then again, well, but yeah, right. But well, again, I was I was I was saying that I think this is a a superior alternative to a 50 cc scooter. Yes. Um, and in that case, it's going to have a lot more power. Yeah, and what I was going to say is. Um, you know, in the dirt, you don't need as much power. Where, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people ride little 125cc, like TTR 125s, right. for fun. They're a blast. Oh, TTR 125's yeah. got plenty of power. So I'm just wondering if this True. will just be will be fun in the dirt. I will give you... Could be. I'll give you a couple of days' lessons on how to operate the choke, Liza. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to operate a choke. Oh, sure you do. I have a KLR, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I will say, though, there there is one Achilles heel to this bike in comparison to a 50cc scooter. Um, now, it's not the case in California, but in a lot of states, uh, they will allow you to register 50cc bikes as mopeds, which have a much right. lower registration cost. Right. Or you don't need to register them at all through 50cc automatics. Right. Um, so with a with a, with this one as a 110 that would be registered as a motorcycle right. uh, no matter what in all states so that you know that could be dissuading to some people but but if if you're in the market for a low end bike I think this this sounds like a pretty good option to me. Right. Well, I'm curious um if other people are interested in this. But also will uh, you know it's funny that it failed in India so they're going to try the the American market which is kind of unique. Because usually something is does so well somewhere, so they're going to try it in another market. Not it failed, so let's go try it over here. Hmm. I don't know. We'll see. But um, John, if I get one, will you get one? No. 
I'd get a t- I'd get the the Benelli though. <sighs> yeah, those were fun at Phil's shop. They were. Um, I th- I have a feeling next year at AMA Vintage Days that we're we're gonna buy some from Phil and have them set up and, and ride around Vintage <clears throat> Days, and then either figure out how to get them back here. Oh, Benelli's. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They'll probably let you take them hand baggage on the airplane. <laughs> You yeah. can ride them up oh, and down yeah, the center I think Moyne did that one time. He dismantled a bike and put it in luggage and brought it home. <laughs> you, you know, Moyne has certain privileges with certain <laughs> airlines. <laughs> Just, oh, I'll buy the plane. <laughs> um, I wanted to get to some emails. And Emma, I'm giving you this email. Not Bloody to, hell, how many are you giving me? Not to read first, but to prepare yourself, because I don't know if you know the answer. While you're reading that, though, I'm going to read one that I really enjoyed. Oh. And this one came from Dan. He says, hey, Misfits, um, Liza, thank you for sharing your nervous feelings and normalizing that. I was going through a similar thing late in uh, September um, during an after a moto camping trip in Acadia National Park. I had a great trip, first time on a multi-day trip, and I'm hooked. However, I had a little scare on the highway through some tight construction zones. It was uh, like groove pavement, uneven pavement, uneven pavement, raised structures. That stuff is scary. Um, The scare was completely mental. I just tensed up and lost my nerve. I felt like my tires weren't going to stick. Um, For about a month after, I was nervous on many high-speed corners. I checked my tires, plenty of tread, but I still bought new ones. Back roads were fine, only nervous on the highway. And so I forced myself to ride this super slab and talk to myself through the issue. Stay loose. Look where you want to go. Trail off the brake. Accelerate out of the curve. Um, stuck with it and the nerves eventually subsided. Now it's fine and the tires feel fine. It was entirely mental. So good to hear that others, even motorcyclists I look up to, have gone through similar trials. I appreciate you bringing up the topic and being open and honest. Mm. Thank you, Dan. Because, I mean, it is hard as um, as somebody who, with my experience to be going through this. But right. I know it's a mental game. And for many people, um, this is that... M- that thing, can you work through it or not? And this is right. why a lot of people give up riding. A lot of people can't work through it, and it's hard. Right. Um, but I'm still uh, bound and determined to to work through it. But, you know, last year, last summer, um, right in the middle of the pandemic, me and um, McCarthy just did a multi-day trip up to Northern California. We took Highway 1 all the way up to Fort Bragg. And then the crowning piece of the trip was Highway 20 from Fort Bragg over to Willits, which is yeah, I've been on that road. It's a wonderful yeah. road. And so, of course, we stayed at this very, very cheap flea pit of a motel in Fort Bragg. Get up early. And we hit um, Highway 20 early in the morning. And I've got probably two-thirds worn um, Contis on Rufus. And the first couple of corners, I was sliding both ends because the tires were cold, the road was damp, and it really put me off for the whole ride. Mm. McCarthy, of course, on the Dosadoro with his sticky Pirellis, having a whale of a time. And he was calling me out and he said, you, you're such a wuss. But then when he actually looked at the GoPro footage of it, he said, oh, my God. He said, you were drifting both ends of that bike. Mm. So, and but as, even when my tires warmed up, the thing is with Contis, I mean, they're 
they're cheaper tire but once you get them nice and warm they're okay um and it was it it really does i mean if you lose a little bit of confidence in traction it can take you a while to get it back what i may have to do and what i know would be the fix is a track day oh god yeah mm. well yes i mean it might or it might not because um, that's a very controlled environment. But doing track days in the past has reminded me and assured me of the capabilities of the motorcycle and the tires. Right. And that I am the weak link, not the bike. Yeah. Um, And that's just yet another reason why I encourage people to do things like do a track day. Even on, you know, you could do it on a cruiser. I mean, it just lets you know what the bike is capable of. In a safe environment. Right. It's not about how fast can you go. It's about learning your relationship uh, with the bike and communicating with it and using your body and trusting it. And that's what it comes down to with like what he's saying. It's trust. And I'm at a point right now and I don't know why I've lost trust in the tires on the road. I don't know why. But I have Hmm. lost that trust. I doubt. I have doubt. So by going to a track, you can get rid of that. Okay. So, Emma, you want to read one of those there? Um, so, I'll tell me why. Tell me why. why. From Big Ben Adopted. Um, can someone, in brackets, Miss Emma, tell me why my 2018 Suzuki V-Strom 1000 needs spark plugs changed at 7,500 miles? Just curious. Thanks for the great podcast, Big Ben. And the answer is because it does I mean, there's so many factors at play here. Suzuki V-Strom, big V-twin engine. And traditionally, bigger displacement, um, higher revving engines can be harder on their plugs. So many things that could affect that. Combustion temperatures, the design of the injectors, the design of the combustion chambers themselves. At some stage... Some Suzuki engineer has said, look, we're seeing significant deterioration in engine performance after 7,500 miles with this plug. Just put new plugs in. And, you know, plugs aren't massively expensive. I mean, some of the more um, fancy ones like the Iridiums can come at about 10, 15 bucks a pop. But I don't think the V-Strom 1000 is particularly expensive plug, so it's not a significant cost factor. I know it's a chore getting to them, um, but generally, Suzuki don't mess around with maintenance. If they say you need to change them at 7,500 miles, you need to change them. Um, Yamaha, again, are absolutely notorious. You better check the plugs. You look at any high-performance Yamaha, and it's check the plugs every service and you better do it you'd better pull them out and check them and gap them and make sure you're not seeing a multi-electrode i was going to say erectrode (laughs) (laughs) i totally forgot we have a game do we we do well do we have have time for it okay yes we're gonna do this all right let's do it um bagel and john emma and i have created a game for you two to play for you two to play for us two 
Yes. yes. Oh, yes. oh my. And this is because... Because your boys and the <laughs> no. kitchen is not necessarily your environment. This is because it's Thanksgiving week. Yes. So you think. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Um, and so first of all, happy Silly. Thanksgiving to everyone. Yeah. But this is a time when many people are going into the kitchen and, and pulling out all those pans and stuff they don't use, but once a year, making those big meals. And it got me thinking about... You guys forget I'm Italian. Time it cook. got me thinking about things we sometimes use from the kitchen on our motorcycles. Yes. Things that maybe mm. you don't want your wife uh, or Husband. mom or, to, uh, to find out yep. you've been using. Girlfriend. So yes. here's simple. Emma and I came up with a list of things from the kitchen that we have used uh, a motorcycle repair. Oh, and still do. If you guys can guess what it's used for. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Bring it on. All right. So the first one, the oven. For heating up a case to install a bearing. Yeah. For what? What'd you say? Heating up a case to install a bearing. Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. I also said for powder coating, which yeah. you could do in your oven. Just don't let yeah, anyone that's find right. out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. How about this? A baking sheet. Baking sheet. I'll give you a clue. Mm. Emma has one in the garage right now that she was using. Could use it to for stop a, oil for oil dripping. Yes. I was going to say for sheet metal repair. Yes. And Emma, you want to say what you were using? And you know, anything sheet? where you want to warm up a component and let's say a longer cylinder head and you want it uniformly warmed up, put a baking sheet underneath it. You get you don't get hot spots. So if you've got say a four cylinder cylinder head and you want to warm it up to put some new valve guides in, put it on a baking sheet. Hmm. So then it doesn't get hot in the middle and stay a little bit cooler on the ends and get banana shaped. In the microwave, what do you mean microwave when you, when you put it in the oven. You can't put metal things in the microwave, <laughs> well, Johnny. And, and what I realized too is. Um, uh, you can also use it if you're working on a carburetor or engine parts mm -hmm. so that you're not going to have any dripping onto whatever you're working. And you can also pick up and move it to different parts of the workbench. Yes. So, um, which goes in line with another thing that we have out in the garage, muffin tins. Muffin tins. Muffin oh, tins. to hold your spare bolts and nuts. Yep. Yes. <coughs> yep. Yes, for sorting nuts and bolts. All right. Yep. How about the freezer? You freeze your bearings before you install them. Or, ah, or, right. or, or mm. bagel. Or. If you need to phase separate your gasoline. Or. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> valve, uh, valve guides, darling. Oh, of course. You well, should, any, yeah. Any similar always, metals you install. Always freeze your valve guides, darling. Sure. All right. Um. And this is one I have out in the garage I use. It's like a, what do you call it? Like a soup pot, you know? Like a soup. soup. Soup? Yeah, soup like a like pot a, a for pot doing or like. A bowl. No, a pot that, for heating up soup, you know. Like on your stove. A saucepan. Cleaning parts. A saucepan. No, not a saucepan. Uh, well, maybe a saucepan, yeah. <laughs> um, I actually found that it's the perfect size for soaking clutch plates. Mm. No, but oh. I don't use that. Because um, it's just as just a little bit bigger on the clutch plate, so you only need to fill up like an inch of oil in yeah. there to do, right. it, to do it. But um, that ties in with another one. How about freezer bags? Oh, you can put uh, parts in it when you're dismantling your motor. Yes, you can. That you can label. Right. Yes. 
But Emma has another source, yeah. another use for him. And, you know, actually, Bagel's exempt because he doesn't know what a fucking clutch is. Do you, Bagel? Oh, I do. I have no, clutches you in many cl- of my bikes. Oh, I bet they're strange. Bagel has a clutch. I bet it's very odd. No, it's I just use a round circle thing with, with friction <laughs> plates and steel. Like okay, yes. very good. Um, yeah. No, I use freezer bags for exactly that same purpose that Liza uses the uh, pot for. You, you know, pop your clutch plates in um, a freezer bag and fill it up with yeah. oil. Seal it up and then leave it overnight. So you've got yeah. nice oil-soaked clutch plates. And, you know, that's very, very economical because the last thing you want to do is use disgusting old oil mm-hmm. or waste all your good oil soaking into your clutch plates. And and another thing that you can use freezer rags for is for if you want to clean parts with some, uh, like, simple green, you stick them in the bag with some simple green, let it soak overnight, and there you go. All next the morning. things. Yes. Yeah. All right. The next one on the list, wooden spoon. Yes. Should mm. you use that in changing a tire, maybe? Uh, no, mm. I actually use this for hitting people because it doesn't leave a mark. Oh, that doesn't mm. do that's not a motorcycle. Thing. Hey, hey, if you're not hey, leaving hey, the mark, you're not that. using it right. That doesn't it's count. It's a good, it's a good. It's, no, it's oh, good. Oh, yeah, no. When you want to keep oh. people out of the drawer that says, don't touch, this is my shit that Emma's always going in. Lysa that's when tools. I pull out the wooden spoon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. All right, here's one. I don't know if you guys know. Um, a large pot of boiling water. Large pot. When you're giving bi- giving birth to a bike. <laughs> yes, yeah, you can. I don't know. After why. after a motorsexual <laughs> encounter, no doubt. Um, this is a good trick that I've done, especially right. when restoring an older bike. Right. Hmm. You can heat up rubber and make it pliable, like carb oh, boots. When you have old yeah. carb boots that are right. very stiff. Drop them into boiling water and they become pliable. Right. You see, everybody thinks yeah. of car boots as being um, rubber, but they're not. They're synthetic rubber, which basically well, means they're plastic. And yeah. They're, they're plasticized rubber, and they go hard after heat cycles. So if, right. if you warm them up in boiling water, they get lovely and soft. Mm-hmm. Right, but they're only going to get hard again, though, if they're going to cool off. Well, it's so, just to help you get yeah, them over the ridge, get get the ridge sure. over that flange. You know. But I remember that Cleveland Moto told, told us about wintergreen, which keeps them soft and pliable. Mm. Ooh, boiling mm, wintergreen. wintergreen oil. Um, but Emma, you had another need to boil it. another reason for a pot of boiling water to test. Oh, thermostats. If oh, it, yes. if you have a liquid cooled bike and you you want to see when your thermostat opens, you pot of boiling water with the thermostat in it and then um a temperature stick from a turkey or something you know something you stick inside your turkey uh, and you thermometer just, yeah well that's what we call them that is what we call them in england <laughs> thermometer? a thermometer and you know you can test very very accurately when and they're amazing when you see them do it because you think oh it's going to be sort of you're not going to be able to see it but thermostat's closed and it gets up to yep. that exact temperature and they just go pop pop yeah. and open it's a wonderful thing all yeah. right um linen napkins mm. apart from the obvious cleaning well when you can't find a shop rag they'll do yeah yeah or if you need to check for where that oil leak is coming from maybe. yeah and make sure you yeah. hide them from your mom <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh how about aim a flame 
Anal flame? I don't even what? Know. Aim, what is anal flame? <laughs> aim a flame. You know the long what? lighter? An oh. anal flame oh. is aim when flame. you've been eating Indian food so and you I, light your fire. I've used that for uh, shrink wrap on, on wires. Yeah, shrink tubing yeah. on wiring. Yeah, that's the perfect use that's for exactly it. Exactly. Okay. Um, keep it clean. Turkey baster. <laughs> oh, for sucking out too much oil when you overfill the crankcase. Yes. yes. And actually, when you're... And they're done that. When you're assembling an engine, it's always good to have a turkey baster handy because you can squirt oil kind of as you go. And yeah. Squirt of oil What was there. that again? Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Who <laughs> <laughs> were? Um, Hyrex measuring cup. Oh, for measuring oil and fluids. And Emma made a yeah. very good point because usually those things are in white plastic, not clear. And it's a lot easier to see on a Pyrex measuring cup. Yeah, right? exactly. A ratio, a ratio right, or as I like to call them, a ratio wrong. Um, they're made out of opaque or opaque plastic. And with my eyesight being as crap as it is, I'm like, what are the numbers on here? <laughs> so um, the Pyrex yeah. measuring... They're beautiful. They're clear. Yep. They've got a lovely red scale on the side. And you can steal one from the kitchen, measure out your oil, and wipe <laughs> it out very cleanly, and then put it back, and nobody notices <laughs> what disgusting Jeez. fluid you've had in there. And this last one, let's see if you guys can guess. Bananas. Oh. For sticking in somebody else's tailpipe. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that that is good. This night banana. <laughs> no, I, I relayed this story and mm-hmm. it wasn't Ted Simon on Jupiter. Um there was a guy who was riding a triumph in the Gobi Desert or something and he hauled his transmission case and all the oil came out. Oh, and the only yeah. the only thing he had were his bananas. So he's great. He stuck all the bananas <laughs> in the transmission and it got him out of the desert. <laughs> because of the cool. Because the lubricating property of bananas. <laughs> well, who who knew that the bananas had so much lubricity? Well, I mean, they are quite slippery. I mean, if you if you kind of squeeze one, which brings me to why um, you know why fork oil smells so bad, don't you? Because it's because it's made of fishes. Yeah, exactly. So therefore, <laughs> if we extrapolate this, if we extrapolate this further, and you're rebuilding, doing the fork seals on your bike, and you don't have any fork oil, if you go to the fishmonger and just get a couple of kippers or something and stick them in there. No, just get a couple of anchovies. That's why you had all those anchovy cans at the shop. Yeah, exactly. Your anchovies in the fork. It's good as new, probably. I thought you really just liked anchovies, but now I know. Oh, that's Hey, you you don't eat the oil, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you can have lunch and fill your forks. There you go. You see? And we'll call that a Misfits (laughs) top tip. Top tip. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) There you go. So um, um, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And if you know of any other kitchen items that are commonly used in the garage or on motorcycles, let us know, and we'll share that tip. Uh, let's get back. We've got a couple more emails. John, you got a nice short one there. All right. This is from uh, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. <clears throat> I would like to share this with you guys. I watched a movie the other day, not the best movie, and probably considered it a teen flick, but it reminded me of the Numb Nuts Titanium Taint Challenge. <laughs> I, I like Titanium Taint. Uh, it is called The Standoff, and is essentially 10 teens standing around a car with one hand on the car. The longest mm-hmm. one gets the car. 
The main reason I learned to uh, is don't take food that you don't know of the origin <laughs> of. Well, shoot, that just foiled one of my plots. <laughs> I wish I could teleport to the West Coast <laughs> with my bike and participate in your challenge. It sounds like a great event, but I've been contemplating doing a similar event here in my area, yeah. Johnson City, Tennessee, if I can figure out a way to do it. So keep them right side up on one wheel. Cheers. All right, thanks. Well, that was great. I know. And, and do host your own. I think it'd be fun for everyone to host their own. Emma, mm. you have a great, <laughs> a short email with a great picture of a bike. And oh. I, <laughs> I'm putting my seal of approval on this. Oh, no, I am as well. I think we need to make sure this picture is available yeah. on our website or something. And so this is from JR, who is terrapin at gmail.com. And it's very... <laughs> Not just a stretch boozer, but a bagger too. This is the most amazing thing. And I've, I tell you what, JR, I don't think this is a boozer. I think this is a jigsaw. Oh. I think this is a jigsaw oh, 1100, boy. but it's a bagger. It is the most amazing thing. It's well done. It's extremely well done. It has a wild lime green and black paint job. Um, and these... Ch- God almighty. Show John the picture. It is the product of an extremely sick mind. Show John the picture. And I love it complete. It is a... It's a good-looking bagger from a sport bike. That is cool. It is is different. It is probably... It looks like a low bagger with low, tight bags welded onto the front end of a motorcycle. From from like the tank up, it's a a sport bike. Right. I I know a bunch of hood hood rats that would love this. it looks good. No, it really does. And the paint job really does it it proud. Um, JR, thank you, darling. This would be a great Oakland ride right here. I like the lines on it. It Yeah. It looks really good. good. Well, maybe, you know, this should be something that we build. Uh, No. But we can appreciate it. (laughs) I tell you what. And not mock it because they show that you can do something on the side of ridiculous, because we, I think, uh, stretch jixers or or boosters are kind of ridiculous. But they just Ooh, took one that looks beautiful. I think it's the perfect evolution of motorcycling. And I'll tell you <laughs> something else: if you wanted to do an iron butt on that bike, you could do it quite quickly. Because <laughs> yes. you could hey, like average a hundred. That's a bike for the taint challenge. Uh, Bagel, you have an email there to read. I do. Give me one second here. And I believe you're going to have to do the accent on this one. Accent? What accent? Oh, yeah. I don't see any accent. accent. There's an accent. Uh, I don't see anything in here that indicates an accent. Oh, yeah, there is. But, um, well, uh, this is an email from uh, Jordan Hrinchik. Hey, Jordan. Hi, Jordan. Jordan says, hello, misfits. Fucking love you guys. Name's Jordan, 24 years old. Have a GS 500F and KZ 650 from 77. Mm-hmm. Nice. The, fu- the fucking KZ 650 we just had found. We just we had just found out has the wrong petcock. It shouldn't be a vacuum petcock. But this person before us definitely put the wrong one on, and now we are running into leaking issues, etc. Oh, doesn't help that doesn't help that my dad put the petcock on prime thinking it was off oh god <laughs> we can't find parts for this fucking thing anywhere about to part this pos out where can i find vintage <gasps> slash old mo- mo- motorcycle parts show Any me that, ideas show me that picture i'll tell you exactly where you'll get parts for that <laughs> that if i'm not mistaken can i see that again mm-hmm. <clears throat> could you could you pass that to me yep. i need to identify this bike so, 
Oh, well, it's a uh, KZ650. Yeah, let's have a look. It's a very nice looking bike, and that is quite an early one as well. Um, no, that's too nice to uh, that's too nice to part out. Yeah. Um, if it's just a fuel tap, you can find a fuel tap. Oh yes, 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 yes. You can get parts for that and pretty much any vintage Japanese bike um, from a Dutch company called CSM. NL. Ah, uh, yes. CSMNL, so that's Charlie Sugar Mike November Lima. Um, they're based in Holland. They ship all over the world. And they, they've they set it up really, really easily. So if you go to their website, just click on Kawasaki Parts, and then you, there's like drop-down menu of... Every model that Kawasaki's ever done, going back to the 1950s, and of course you go to KZ650, and you can get everything. Um, it's not the cheapest, but they're genuine parts. Um, the shipping usually takes about a week. I buy quite a bit of stuff for CSMNL, um, but then I do a lot of work on vintage bikes. S- say that again. CSMNL. Okay. There you go. I love their albums. Yeah, they're good. Yes. Oh, they're great. Yeah. And, um, so that's where you'll get everything you need for it. And don't part it out. It's far too nice for that. But my favorite are the ones with Neil Young. It was yeah, Neil, oh, Neil was the yeah, best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Bagel, that's not the end of the email. <laughs> oh. Because if you scroll down a little bit, there's another little added bonus. Uh, looking, looking, uh, confidentiality notice, uh, any... This email and any files transmitted with it are blah, blah, blah. Above, above the photos. Above the photos. Uh, I see a subject. It says KZ650. I'm on my phone. I, I don't know yeah, if I'm, I'm missing something I'm on my phone, here. too. So, um, what are he, the 12 seasons of he, Buffalo? Yes. That was the accent oh, you were supposed to be doing. Oh, Buffalo. He's, he's so, in Buffalo. So, he's, he's given us a thing. The 12 seasons of Buffalo. You want to read it? I think this is fun. All right. So the 12 seasons of Buffalo, winter, full spring, second winter, spring of deception, third winter, the pollening, actual spring, summer, hell's front porch, false fall, second summer, and then actual fall. How about that? <laughs> That's wow. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, go they go from third winter to the pollening. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. I like that too. And Emma, we can do one more if you have a quick one. Yeah, and I do. Um, I, this is from John Burkhard. Hey, John. Hey, John. And, Great name. Um, Hello, Misfits. Oh, it's entitled Four Valves. Love listening to the show as you make my commute a pleasure. Tra la la. Question for Emma. I have the first year 1972 Honda XL250 Motorsport Thumper that needed the valves adjusted. When I pulled the co- valves covers off to try and adjust them, I noticed that. It had what looks like two valves on the intake and two valves on the exhaust. Having heard your mini history hold on the Yamaha 73XS TX500, being the first production bike with four valves per cylinder, and again mention of this in show 244. I know that Emma's always right. Good lad. So I got to thinking, (laughs) have I either got a second cylinder hidden under the tank somewhere, or this could be one of those priceless rare Honda racing-only bikes? Did I mention the bike's 72 model year with a build date of March 72? What do you think? Stay lube, John. 
And John is absolutely right. And I kind of got to thinking about this because I've got no excuse for forgetting about the XL because I've built a couple quite recently. And I thought, where did I read about the TX? So I found the source and I went back. And we're kind of both half right because, of course, the first multi-valve machine was the Rudge in the 1930s. It was resurrected as a single cylinder by Honda, and they beat Yamaha by about six months because the TXs came out basically in late 72 for the 73 model year. But the TX and what became the XS500 were the first multi-cylinder multi-valve bikes. So that was its distinction. And I know I'd read somewhere that it was the first multi-valve, but it was the first multi-cylinder multi-valve so is this a long way of you saying you were wrong oh i'm absolutely (gasps) wow no absolutely and i mean i never sort of it's never a case of oh i just plucked this information out of nowhere it was i'd read it a long long time ago and I'd obviously forgotten number one about the xl was this in a galaxy far far away i think it was um but I stand by the TX500 was the first multi-cylinder multi-valve, in effect, a twin. Whereas the XL beat it by a very, very short amount. And the, around this time, there was so much going on. What do you think is the first superbike? Um, CB. No. Well, I mean, they called it that. CB but you're talking about the modern... So I we're mean, either talking about the the GPZ or the no. Honda. No, you way too far. Triumph Trident. Oh yeah, yeah. Triumph Trident was considered mm. the first superbike because it actually beat the CB by six months. But of course, everyone's forgotten about it. A lot of people mm-hmm. will argue that the first real superbike was the BMW R90s. <laughs> No. Which we so or well wouldn't the wouldn't the Vincent be considered a first superbike? There you go. Yeah, I mean, um, you, what qualifies? Aerial, it? What about an aerial? Square what qualifies four? it? Well, you know, oh, well, an aerial square four. I, you know, as nice a bike. Tell it you is, what, it ain't no Vincent. Emma? It's a sidecar tug. How about we save this for next week? Hmm. And how about we come up on the list of the top ten superbikes of all time? This will be Ooh. something that'll piss the Cleveland Moto guys off because we'll make up the rules of what qualifies as a superbike. <laughs> you know, because you the term superbike is such yeah. one for conjecture. But no, John, yeah. I, I absolutely 100% apologize to you. And I think it's, yeah, the Honda absolutely beat the TX by not as long as people think. It was only about six months. But the Honda was the first single, and then the Yamaha was the first multi. Well, there you go. And, of course, it's something we take so commonplace now. Yeah, I know. What's the most amount of valves? Like, 30, Is there been a 32-valve? Well, what I mean, Yamaha the... Yamaha famously did a lot of five-valve engines. It's OW, right? Yeah, and going, going way back to the FCRs of the 1980s. But they were flirting with seven-valve engines for a while. Really? Oh, yeah. Um, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, but they Just found like a it, ring around the top of the yeah, it kind of seemed like that, but <laughs> it, it was deemed inefficient. 
Um, yeah. Five. I mean, you know, would you have a triple a lot of overhead cam for that, or how would how would you? No, it's all the way you you angle the valves. Okay. Um, hmm. But Man. yeah, I mean, if you think about it, um, six cylinder bike. Yeah. Four valves per cylinder, mm-hmm. 24 valves. That's about as many as you're going to get, isn't yeah. it? It's a lot of valves. That's it is a lot of valves. You know, the KZ13 um, was a four. The CBX was a four. The Benelli, of course, was a two. But the P- Benelli predated the other two by a long chalk. The Benelli came out in 73, and it was 79 <laughs> for the Honda and 79 for the KZ. Well, I think that... About wraps it up for today. What do you guys think of Chris Hopper? What a cool guy, great. right? Yeah, guy. yeah, and I mean, that's great. I mean, real biker shit. Oh, I'm just yeah. saying, Without yeah. real biker. That's shit. beyond biker beyond. shit. Beyond. <laughs> and uh, yeah, again, the fact that he's part of this big community, which it, I know it existed, right? But since I just you know, learned about him and I started researching deeper and finding out about these extreme long distance riders. That there's a lot of them, not just a few remarkable people. There's a right. bunch of them. This it's, is a whole other culture. It's, it's yeah. A, it, I mean, this is and this a is a, a community that I've only dipped my toe yeah. into. <laughs> yeah, really cool stuff. As, hard, as long as long as those two thousand miles were, I mean, that's like nothing compared to what he did. Right. Yeah, and I do hope that Harley puts that bike in the museum. No, I think it, it deservedly so. Cool. You, get, you get extra badass points over the scooter by far. Well, uh, yeah. I would like to see Chris do it on the scooter. But you know, <laughs> all all along from when Liza actually told me what three weeks ago? Yeah. Right up yeah. until the interview, I was thinking there is a piece of this puzzle that is missing. And mm. there's there's something that makes sense to this that I haven't got the information yet. Because I was just adding up the numbers, and it was like, dear God, this is amazing. It's mind-boggling. And then we got it. Anybody who can exist on four to five hours sleep a night, that's the missing piece of the puzzle. Because yeah. your day immediately becomes longer. To me, I mean, I'm yeah. I'm pretty useless unless I get eight hours sleep a night. Yep. I got news for you. What? <laughs> Are you one of those? It's not the amount of sleep. <laughs> You're hey, still useless. I, I, no, I'm kidding. I'll tell you what. That was me. I'll, I'll throw it out. I'll throw it out there. If <laughs> yeah. Vespa wants to sponsor me to ride a hundred thousand miles in a hundred days, I'll do it. There you go. What? <laughs> I'll throw on, it out the gauntlet. Step it up, Vespa. It, Let's Vespa. go. Emma, make a call. Step up. <laughs> wow. Make it happen. <laughs> I'll call him. I'll call him tomorrow. <laughs> you serious, I'm bagel? Support. <laughs> All right. If if I have support, oh look, he's it. gone already. Oh, no, <laughs> you can't. We just called you on it. <laughs> I need that. I'm going to need support to do it, but I will do it. Nice. Well, he's a cool guy, and I'll, a big thanks again, yeah, Chris, no, for joining yeah. us. It was very cool. Monumental achievement. Well exactly. done. Exactly. Um, and uh, everyone, take it safe. Uh, it's it's the Thanksgiving holidays, a time to yes. you know uh, to be uh, for thanking and and you know. My thanks is to all the misfits for joining me. There, we had a moment today out in the shop where Mike and Charlie were there, and Knock and Mike, and it's just, just like the old days. And it's just it? the group hanging out, all talking and Feels eating fun. and having fun. And I was just like, "This is awesome! I love this!" You Aww. know. And it came up. Oh, I wish Bagel was here. I, I missed think John, you, you said that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I miss you guys. It was pretty I, fun. I hope but, to come back at some point. You soon. know what? 
made it even more fun. Bagel, you missed this. Um, yeah. uh, we had a couple uh, new people come to the garage today, and one of them showed up, and his name was Bilal. And mm-hmm. he's on his first bike. Uh, was it Ninja 300? Ninja 300. 300. Yeah. And I was just, nice. we were asking, like, Bilal, that's an interesting name. You know, where are you from? And I find him, like, what's your ethnicity? And he goes, um, um, my family's from Pakistan. I'm like, what? Excellent. What part? What? And he's like, it's, <laughs> well, in the, totally blew his mind. it's next to India. I'm like, no, what part of it? Which part? And he was blown he was. away that. Did you show in the movies? Yeah, he was blown away that we all know Pakistan, that everyone there, even though they haven't been there, they think highly of it as well through us, which is what Moyne's mission is, to change the world's perception, yeah, at least right. in our community. Except yeah. I, I don't know if we've changed Emma's mind yet, maybe. Oh, God, no. It's, it's, yeah. I, th- uh, I yeah. think it's as wonderful she, as she everybody else. She prefers the curry from India, though. Well, we're oh, yeah. Pakistan. But um, <laughs> he was blown away to find this community of people and he, he he grew up there, but he hasn't been back there for years. And we're trying to get him to go yeah, on, on Stumpy John's trip. Yep. Oh wow, that'd be awesome. I'm like, dude, I, you'll want to go see the country with this group. It'll be a lot of fun because, like many Pakistani people, he hasn't traveled throughout most of these regions. Right. Even though he's from Islamabad, he's never even been up to Hunza. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's that's the thing. A lot of people from Pakistan haven't been up to. He's, these he's made it to Naran. I'm like, oh, wow. Well, yeah. It's, so it's good. It was a great it's day in the garage. And so that's what I am thankful for. You got anything to be thankful right. for, Emma? Uh, I'm thankful to have so many great friends in my life. Mm-hmm. How about you, John? <laughs> well, certain, certainly family. But um, yeah, you know, this year hanging out with the Misfits has been wonderful. So I'm uh, thankful for you all. You're with the cool kids now. Yep. And Bagel, how about you? <laughs> Well, I am still thankful that I can do this podcast with you guys remotely, even though I've moved you know, 600 miles away. And um, I'm thankful that we can share our joy with the rest of the world through, uh, through this medium. Well, and you know what else I'm thankful of? All of our listeners. Yep. Uh, for hanging there. with us, sending in the emails. Thank you very much. Keep them coming. It's recyclemotorcyclegarage at gmail.com. And especially thank you to our Patreon subscribers yes. who are paying for uh, our hotel in Las Vegas in January. Right. Where I think Phil's uh-huh. going to be there. So I'm so looking forward to hanging out with Phil from Cleveland Moto. Very much looking forward to boiling myself in a hot tub alongside Phil. Yes. There you go. <laughs> So on that note, thank you, everybody. Um, Stay safe. Happy holidays. This is Liza, and we're ready to get out of here. Stumpy John. Emma, darling. Bagel. And we're out of here. Cool, cool. Cool, cool.